This is Surah Yusuf, the 12th Surah of Qur'an al-Kareem. It was revealed in Makkah Mukarramah at a time when some of the Kuffar, Yehud, Mushrikeen, rather, Makkah Mukarramah, they came to Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And they challenged him that if you claim as you do to truly be from the Ali Ibrahim, then tell us about some of your forefathers, tell about some of the earlier prophets from your line. And it was revealed in Makkah Mukarramah at a time when Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam was being given a very tough time by the mushrikeen of Makkah Mukarramah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down this surah as a tasalli, as a consolation. First to show Nabi Kareem Wasallam that prior to you and your own forefathers, other anbiya have faced difficulty like Sayyidina Yusuf faced difficulty. Other Anbiya were removed and had to leave their homes and travel to faraway lands. Here Allah Ta'ala was foreshadowing, predicting that Nabi Kareem will ultimately be forced out of Makkah Makarramah, will have to make Hijrah to Madinah Manawrah. And lastly, with Sayyidina Yusuf that <coughs> eventually Sayyidina Yusuf he came back victorious. And he came back and he was, rather, he was reunited with his family. In a victorious manner, just like that, Allah Ta'ala is telling Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that <coughs> eventually he will triumph in Fateh Makkah. Now, Alif Lamra, these are known as Haruf Muqatta'at. The true reality is that nobody knows the meaning of these letters. Yes, some ulama have put forth meanings to the best of their ability, to the best of their knowledge. But the reality is that nobody can say for certainty what these letters mean. So then the question is that why are they placed there in the first place, especially if Quran al-Karim is a book of Hidayah. So what is the Hidayah in these letters? So the Hidayah in this letter is number one, that Allah SWT is showing His might and majesty, that Allahu A'lam, that only Allah SWT ultimately knows all of the realities, and even though He's going to reveal His greatest book on His greatest messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, for His greatest and last and final Ummah, still there will be some things that Allah Ta'ala alone will know. However, it comes in Hadith that Sahab Ikram, once Nabi Akreem, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, He said, that for every letter of Quran that you recite, you will get ten rewards. So some Sahaba that asked about these, Hurufi Mukata'at, for example, this very Alif Lam Ra. So Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said that even if you recite these, you will get ten blessings from Allah Subhanahu Wa So this is also a sign and a very important thing that we have to understand that the recitation of Quran, even if a person does not understand what they're, what they're reading, i.e. does not know the Arabic language, has not yet learned translation, tarjum of Qur'an, that recitation is not without benefit, because even if alif, lam, ra, three letters can provide 30 blessings, that is true for every letter of Qur'an al-Kareem. And why does Allah Ta'ala place this in front? Is it because then we begin with these blessings? Because this is an important surah. So some ulama put forth this opinion, that those surahs where Allah Ta'ala wants us to understand, not just from our mind. And you will see in Surah Yusuf, it's not a very complicated academic intellectual story. Rather, it's a story that is meant to be understood by the heart. So that the heart begins the approach to Surah Yusuf with 30 blessings. Allah Ta'ala put these three letters, Harufi Muqatta'at, at the start, Alif, Lam, Ra. Then we should also, then Allah Ta'ala continues, Tilka ayatul kitab al-mubeen. Then in these... The <coughs> These are the verses of Qur'an al-Kareem that are what this book is mubeen. 
First meaning of Mubin is that this book itself is clear. Second meaning of Mubin is this book will make everything else clear. So it is an epitome of clarity and it has the epitome of clarifying ability. Now immediately Allah Ta'ala is saying this after you recited Alif Lam Ra. Point is Allah Ta'ala is saying that if you recite Alif Lam Ra with your heart, then the blessings you get just from the recitation of Alif Lam Ra will open up your heart to this Quran and the Quran will make it clear to you, will make it clarify to you all the teachings and heartfelt feelings that you're supposed to get in Surah Yusuf. Then Allah continues, Indeed, we have sent it down as an Arabic Qur'an. What does it mean that we reveal Qur'an in the Lohad of the Quraysh, the Ahli Makkah? So Allah is reaching out to them that, Oh, Mushrikeen in Makkah, you want something that makes you feel close to Qur'an. So you're asking for the story of Sayyidina Yusuf Alayhi Why don't you look at the language in which the Qur'an is revealed, that I, Allah, am speaking to you in your own tongue, in your own mother tongue. Why is this important? You have to understand that the pre-Islamic Arabs were people of Jahiliyyah. Everything about them was complete and absolute utter ignorance and barbarianism except one thing and that was their language. They were Ahli Lugha. They were people of poetry. They were people of oral narrative. People of oral tradition. And they used to, many, many poets before Revelation, they used to spend hours and weeks and months and years composing poetry. Why? To have an impact on the hearts of people. So no matter how jahil the pre-Islamic Arabs were, there was one thing that was profound about them, that they were moved by the Arabic language. So Allah Ta'ala is saying that I have sent down the Quran in the same Arabiya, the same language that moves you, the same language that instills passion in you. Just like you used to open up your heart to the pre-Islamic poetry, you should open up your heart to the Quran, so you will be moved by the emotions of Quran. <coughs> the second thing then means that the Arabic recitation of Quran, again Quran and Arabiyyah, will give reward. Now understand, before I proceed now directly to the surah, Allah SWT has mentioned in Quran two things. One is that this is the book Hudallin Nas. That is a huda has a hidayah, a guidance, for all people, even unbelievers. Here's what Allah Ta'ala is saying, that even if you're mushrikeen of Makkah, the fact that you know Arabic will enable you to get some levels of hidayah from the Qur'an, that you will be able to believe in Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, believe in the oneness of Allah Ta'ala, akhirah, life after death, Nabiya Kareem, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. However, in the beginning, all of you remember Allah Ta'ala said another thing in Qur'an, hudallil muttaqeen. So there's another type of hidayah that only the muttaqeen have. Allahu Akbar. So it means through just Arabic, which means obviously then secondary to Arabic would be any translation, be it English, Urdu, Farsi, whatever, you can only get a certain level of hidayah, which is hudallil nas. If you want to get that real deep hidayah that is in Qur'an, that Allah Ta'ala calls hudallil muttaqeen, there are two possibilities. Either you yourself are from the muttaqeen, then you can say Allah Ta'ala gives you that hidayah, or you will necessarily have to go to the muttaqeen. Not in the Arabic, not in the translation. Nowhere can you get that hidayah except through the sifat of taqwa. Either you have that attribute of taqwa or you learn Qur'an from muttaqeen, mufassireen. So those people who study Qur'an simply through translation, they will get a certain level of hidayah of Qur'an. And that is a wonderful thing and something is better than nothing. But if in our dunya we always want to have the highest standard, we want to have the last degree in our field, we want to have the best professors of our field, so just like that we should want to have the most in-depth, highest understanding of Qur'an, that is called hudal al-muttaqeen, and that is by learning tafsir of Qur'an by, from the muttaqeen mufassireen. La'allakum ta'ilun. So just on the basis of Arabic and translation, you will get a sense 
but you won't get that feeling until you have the feeling of taqwa. Now obviously, let's just sketch this surah because now from verse 3, Allah Ta'ala will begin the main discussion. Surah is named after Sayyidina Yusuf Alayhislam because most of the surah is about him. And the first three verses coming, Allah Ta'ala will set the stage for the story. They are total 111 verses in the surah. In the last 10 verses, Allah Ta'ala will, after concluding the story, then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will address some of the responses that the mushrikeen in Makkah had after Nabi Karim Sassam did talawat of this surah to them. First be introduced to Sayyidina Yusuf himself. He has a noble lineage. His father was a Nabi, Sayyidina Yaqub His grandfather was a Nabi, Sayyidina Ishaq And his great-grandfather was a Nabi, Sayyidina Ibrahim So he is so blessed that he comes from a tradition and a line of Anbiya. Like today, there are people who pride themselves on their lineage. So Sayyidina Yusuf was also Nasli Khandani, Ghulam and Nabi of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now the virtues of Surah Yusuf have been mentioned in different hadith. I will just mention one to you. And that is that Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said that the person who recites Surah Yusuf and then does amal on it, lives through its feelings, then Allah Ta'ala will help that person in their times of death. نحن نقص عليك أحسن القصصي بِمَا أَوْهَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ وَإِنْ كُنْتَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ لَمِنَ الْغَافِرِينَ Allah says that we are going to relate to you أَحْسَنُ الْقَصَصِ The most excellent, the most noble, the most perfect, the most virtuous story by means of what we are going to send revelation unto you, Nabi Karim Sassam, in this Qur'an. And prior to this, you were from those who were entirely unaware. Entirely unaware specifically of this story of Sayyidina Yusuf And generally, you were entirely unaware of everything that Allah has Revealed in Quran. Asan means that it is the most noble, the best, the most virtuous story. Asan also means that it is the most complete, holistic, detailed, kamil, issa in Quran. Third, it means that it has the power and virtue to bring a person to Asan. Means this one story more than any other single story of Quran. Not more than the whole Quran taken together. Asan, this is why I came late, I was hoping that this would go away, but it didn't go away. So we decided to show up. Another meaning of Asan is that this story has the most power more than any other story in Quran to bring a person to maqam of Ahsan, which means they have virtue, nobility, beauty, excellence in their deen. Like Nabi Kareem sallallahu said, they will have such yakin and ta'bud Allah that they worship Allah Ta'ala as if they see Him. And if they're unable to see Allah, they will know that Allah Ta'ala is able to see them. Alright, now begins the story from verse 4 onward. It called Yusuf al-Abihi, Ya Abati inni ra'aytu ahada ashrakok abawam ashshamsa wal-kamara ra'ayt When Yusuf al-Islam said to his beloved father, Ya Abati, so this is the first lesson that Sayyidina Yusuf is speaking to his father in a beloved way, using a way of love. So he would say in Urdu, Bujan, Oh my dear and honored and beloved father, indeed I've seen something, which means he saw it in the dream. I saw eleven stars. I saw the sun and I saw the moon. And I saw that all these eleven stars and the sun and moon are making sajda to me. All right. So, <clears throat> here the first lesson we learn is that children should also address their parents with this kind of love. Second, the children should share with the parents their experiences. Third, actually, Sayyidina Yogub alayhi salam in this time 
was the Nabi of Sayyidina Yusuf Islam. So he's not just sharing with his father, but he's also sharing with his Prophet. So obviously one, if they have access live to a Prophet, they would share their spiritual experiences with them. Nabi Yaqub Islam responded, Qala ya bunayya, la taqsus ru'yaka ala ikhwatika fayakidu laka kayda. That, oh, and he also responds with, ya bunayya, eh mere putter, oh my dear beloved son, don't you share the story of this dream of yours with your brothers. Why? Lest they plot against you. <coughs> they will plot against you, conspire against you, scheme against you. Why? In shaitana lil insani mubin. Because it is shaitan who is a clear and manifest and diehard enemy to all of humanity. So what does it mean? Number one, Rasayna Yaqub Islam understood what this dream meant. He could know that the dream will come true. And he knew the dream clearly indicated a fazilat, a rutbah, a level and a rag to Yusuf that was even greater than his own self, let alone his other brothers. And he knew his brothers would have hasad. Now remember he is a Nabi, so he knows about other anbiya, their stories. First he tells Yusuf so that Yusuf doesn't get upset with his brothers. He says, no, it's because of shaitan. In the shaitan al-ansani It's not your brothers who are enemy to you, it's shaitan who is enemy to you. When you tell them shaitan will put waswasa in their hearts. Second, he has experiences because he knows that when the first Prophet, Nabi Adam salam, came, what happened? Again, shaitan has put his special efforts to distract or corrupt or to harm the sons of Anbiya. So Allah Ta'ala, uh, shaitan, he put sedition, fitna between the two brothers of Adam salam, one killed the other. Then he started later on working on the son of Nuh salam, and he kept whispering to the son that your father is not a prophet, there is no Allah. And then the son of Sayyidina Nuh salam died as an unbeliever. So Sayyidina Google salam, he knows this. The shaitan targets the sons of the Anbiya. So he wants his son to keep a low profile. Don't tell them. One, out of humility, right? And second, keep a low profile to save yourself from the hasad of the hasid. You shouldn't share anything that may cause other people to have hasad for you. So this is a lesson that we take from this surah generally. <coughs> what does hasad mean? Hasad means to have jealousy and envy for a person. Such that when you hear that they have been given some blessing, and the worst hasad is hasad fiddin, that they've been given some blessing from Allah Ta'ala, whether their ilm, their taqwa, their zikr, their wilayat, their sabr, their adab, their akhlaq, whatever it is, and you're upset, that why did that person get that and I didn't get that? And that's exactly the condition of his brothers, that they're upset that why does Sayyidina Yusuf have this special belovedness to our father that none of us have? And it's not just the anbiya, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed, if you will, shaitan to place hasad in the hearts of people for sahaba, then tabi'in, and even for mufassirin, muhaddithin, fuqaha, awliya, even up to ulama, right up till this time. Just to mention, by the way, that the cure for hasad is to acknowledge in one's heart that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatever you gave this person, that is your taqdeer, his naseeb, it's your fazl, your karam, your decision. How can I ever be upset with any one of your decisions, whether the decision is concerning me or decision is concerning someone else? So I submit myself with pleasure. I do taslim with rada to all of the decisions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And second cure is to make dua for the person that you have hasad for. And our mashaykh teaches that we should make a lot of dua. A lot of dua for that person. Dua we would never even imagine perhaps even making for 
empower themselves to make dua for their akhirah, for their deen, for their taqwa, that Allah grant them jannah for those, grant them ilm, grant them mulaya, grant them every happiness in this world, grant them abundant risk, anything and everything you can think of when you make those duas in your tongue, Allah Ta'ala will inshallah remove the hasad from our heart and then He will remove the ability of shaitan to place enmity between us through this waswasa of hasad. Verse number six. in this exact manner, what that Allah Ta'ala is going to teach you, Yusuf Alayhisam, the interpretation of dreams, and Allah Ta'ala has completed His bounty upon you as He perfected it before you, and this we mentioned to you already, that His lineage is from Yaqub Alayhisam, Ibrahim Alayhisam, uh, Alayhisam, Ishaq Alayhisam, and Ibrahim Alayhisam. So now Yusuf Alayhisam is the ultimate of the line of Ishaq. Nabi Akrim Sallallahu Alaihi is the ultimate of the line of Ismail Alayhisam. So the ultimate of the descendant of Sayyidina Ismail Sayyidina Rasulullah is being told the story of the ultimate prophetic descendant through the line of Ishaq who is Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi Indeed your Rabb is all-knowing, has all ilm and has all hikmah. Here there's a lesson that Allah Ta'ala is mentioning the <coughs> parents and grandparents and great-grandfather of Sayyidina Yusuf salam. And mentioning that in part, one of the reasons why I, Allah Ta'ala, am giving Yusuf you this blessing is because your father and grandfather and great-grandfather were so pious. So it means that if we want that our children, if we, if we want that our children should become pious, we should, best way is that we should make ourselves pious first. So if a person makes himself have taqwa, haya, sabr, shukr, love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then there's a greater chance, a greater hope that due to the barakah of they t- themselves adopting fully the deen, that Allah Ta'ala will inshallah guide their children and their descendants and their progeny all the way into Yom Ad-Din. All right. So indeed, now you have in the story of Sayyidina Yusuf salam and his brothers, ayatun, clear signs and proofs for those who are questioning. So the questions, uh, I mentioned to her, the questions, the questioners were the Mushrikina Makumakarma. It called the Yusufu Ahuhu, Ahabu ila abina minna, Wanahnu usbatun inna abana, Lafidalal Mubin. So now what happened is the ten brothers, and let me explain this to you as well. So there are twelve brothers total. The youngest two, the first ten are from one mother. And there's no mention, but the sense is that perhaps she has passed away. The youngest two is Sayyidina Yusuf salam, and the number 12 is Binyamin. They're from another mother. Now what happens was that these two were the youngest, and now what the ten brothers are getting together and having a conversation, and they're saying that indeed Yusuf salam, and his brother, which means Binyamin, are ahambu, that they are more beloved to our father than we are. They are most beloved to our father than we are. And they, they're upset about this. They say, Inna aba'ana lafi that indeed our father is unclear, manifest error for doing this. So some of us may be thinking, well, they're partly right. Shouldn't you love all your children equally? So there are two types of love. First, understand that one is called zati love. To love your children because they're your children. In that sense, Sayyidina Yaqub loved all twelve sons equally. 
Second is called sifati love. To love one, two, or more of your children because of their sifat, because of their noble attributes. Here, Sayyidina Yusuf and Binyamin were distinguished in being far above in character and nobility and the seeds of iman than the other ton. So Sayyidina Yaqub had more love for them for that reason. It wasn't a bias that was unfair. Third, is remember Sayyidina Yaqub is a prophet and all twelve are his sahaba. But the first ten brothers, they don't really believe 100% in the prophethood, nabuat of their father. Hence they can say things like this, that he's on manifest error. Who can say that about a prophet? That my dad and prophet is on error. But Sayyidina Yusuf and bin Yamin, they really believed that their father 100% was a Nabi, and they could never imagine that he was, could ever even have the possibility of being on error. Naturally, just like our Nabi Akareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he loved all Sahaba at one level equally, and he loved Sayyidina Abu Bakr and Sayyidina Umar, radiallahu ta'ala anhumah, more than the other Sahaba, just like that Sayyidina Yaqub he loved Sayyidina Yusuf and Bin Yamin more than his other Sahaba, even if the, even more than his other ten sons. But we get a lesson from this, what? Even if there is a jaiz love, and sometimes when a person has a permissible love, but it's too excessive, it can cause a problem. And Allah Ta'ala can test that love. And go back, that was the same thing that Atsi Sayyidina Adam salam had more love for Habil than he did for Kabil. That irritated Kabil. So he ended up killing his brother. Just like that Sayyidina Yaqub salam has more love for Sayyidina Yusuf salam. So that's going to become a trial, a test for the father. And in some sense, Ulama Tafsir also said that Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he had a very special, soft, gentle, unique love for his grandson, Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu Now not in his lifetime, but after he passed away from this world, Allah Ta'ala also tested that love, and all of us know the terrible calamity and disaster that took place with Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu ta'ala. So now the brothers are, ten of them, talking to each other. All right. One of them says, or, it's not 100% clear, it can be one of them, or maybe few of them, or maybe at up to nine of them, get together and say this sentence. What? اِكْتُلُوا يُوسُفَ أَوِتْرَهُوهُ أَرْضًا يَخْلُلُكُمُ وَجْهُ أَبِيكُمْ وَتُكُونُوا مِنْ بَادِهِ قَوْمًا صَادِهِينَ So what you should do, let's kill Yusuf Islam. We should kill him. <coughs> or, we should cast him down, cast him away from some faraway distant land or wilderness. And it means to be rid of him. Why? And after that, all of the attention of our father. Wajhu abikum. Waj means attention, love, focus of the father will all become ours only. Then after that, and after that we'll make toba and we'll make ourselves righteous people and we'll never ever do a bad deed again. All right. One of the ten, they said no. La taktulu Yusufa. Don't kill him. Alright, don't go that far. One of them said this. So now what you should do is throw him in the bottom of some dark well or pit. So that some travelers, wayfarers, passers-by will discover him and take him away with them. If you really can do something, this is what you should do. Don't kill him, but drop him in. <laughs> oh, well. Alright, so from the first sentence we know at least one wanted to outright kill. This is the ultimate limit of Hassan. One or more wanted to kill. 
And we know that certainly one only spoke out. This is not Binyamin, this is only those ten. Neither Binyamin is here, nor obviously Yusuf is here. One at least of the ten had a bit more taqwa. And so he decided, uh, he uh, made a case that we should not kill Yusuf alayhi salam. So alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the others listen to him. And they didn't decide to kill Yusuf alayhi salam, but rather they exactly... Uh, did this that they went to cast him in a well. Now look at the way shaitan convinced them to beautify to each other that you do this sin and then that you will repent and become righteous people later. So this is a deception of shaitan and the nafs that some of us also sometimes pray for, pray to. That okay, let me do that sin just one time or just one more time or just one last time and then I'll repent and then I'll become from the salihin. It can never happen like that. This is not Tawbah to Nusur. This is not real Tawbah. If ever we have this intention that I'm going to do something, especially as dastardly a deed as this, and then think later I'll make Tawbah, Allah Ta'ala will not give us tawfiq to make Tawbah. Not give us tawfiq to make Tawbah. This is later only the Karam and Fazl and Du'as of the Anbiya that Yaqub is going to make Du'a for the ten brothers. Yusuf and other Nabi is going to forgive these ten brothers that they're able to get out of it. Without some type of Du'a of Anbiya, you won't be able to get out of this cycle that if you plan to do sin you can never break that cycle and become from the <coughs> salihin later on you're going to see towards the end of the surah that the eldest brother seems to have a bit more of a softer heart so some ulama tafsir said that in ayah number 10 that one of them minhum, is in fact the eldest brother who has a bit more wisdom and he's trying to tell them no we shouldn't kill him but we can drop him in a well and he will remain alive all right so now what they do? They go to their father. Kalu, ya abana, malakalata manna ala Yusufa, wa lana sehun. That our beloved father, why don't you trust us? What's the matter with you that you don't trust us with Yusuf alayhi salam? Whereas we were inna lana sehun. We are people of nasiha to him. We are well wishers to him. We are looking after his khair. So then, after trying to convince their father, they arsilhu ma'ana ghadai. That send him with us tomorrow. Send him with us tomorrow. Why? Yasta, wa yalab, wa inna lahu laha fidun. That he will eat with us and play with us. Means we will enjoy, have a nice time, picnic sports, and wa inna lahu laha fidun. And we will take really good care of him. Nothing to worry about. So the father responded, "Call inni." He knew. You can understand because he knew the situation that they already, even though the dream has not been mentioned, that was successfully kept a secret between father and Nabi Yusuf but still he knows that the sons have these feelings nonetheless. Kala the father to Sayyidina Yaqub he said, I have grief and sorrow and I'm worried and concerned. That you will take him, I mean he'll go with you, that perhaps a wolf will eat him while you are not taking care of him, you're heedless of him, you're being negligent in your duties. So all the brothers responded, that were a wolf were to eat him, and we are a strong group, there are ten of us. How can we not defend him against wolves? Indeed, we will surely be losers. We cannot, all ten of us, even defend our one brother from wolf. It means we are complete losers, there's no hope in us whatsoever. So what's happening here? Allah Ta'ala has given basira to Sayyidina Yaqub He knows, he's a Nabi, he saw right through them. 
And he mentions his huzun, his grief, and his sorrow. And this is also because he loved Sayyidina Yusuf a lot. But it's interesting, what does he say? He didn't accuse them of being sinners. He said, غَافِلُمْ They said if we do it, we'll become khasirun. But he first said that, look, if you, if a wolf eats him, it won't be. Although he knows in his heart, it will be because of deliberate foul play. But he's trying to be nice and say, well, it will be because you were negligent, you were careless, you forgot about him, you left him alone. So they said, no, 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 if that happens, it won't be because we were negligent or careless. It's because we were khasirun. It's because we were wrongdoers, we were losers. But now you can obviously see, all of you know the story, they got this idea in their mind. That this is a worry that our father has, that he'll be eaten by a wolf. Now this is the story that we will cook up, and when we come back, we will say that a wolf ate him. So sure enough, فَلَمَّا so verses 15 onwards, فَلَمَّا ذَهَبُوا بِهِ So when they left and they took Sayyidina Yusuf with them, وَأَجْمَعُوا and all together they made a firm resolve to drop him into the pit of the deep dark well. What happened? Allah Ta'ala is saying that we Allah Ta'ala sent wahi on Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi salam. So to inform to inform our blessed Sayyidina Yaqub of this matter, and they didn't realize this. The brothers didn't realize that, uh, sorry, when Allah Ta'ala, when the brothers, they dropped Sayyidina Yusuf into the deep, dark pit of the well, and now Yusuf must have been feeling extreme grief, that look, my brothers, they just did this to me, and I'm in the middle of nowhere, and I have no way to get out. At that moment, Allah Ta'ala bestowed Sayyidina Yusuf with the gift of Nabuwa, that he sent the first wahi down to his heart and told him that, yes, look, your brothers have conspired this against you, but there will come a day in the future that you will be, you will be in some type of position that you will remind them of this very act of theirs. And when you do that, they won't even recognize you. Now Sayyidina Yusuf couldn't understand this entirely, but obviously getting wahi from Allah Ta'ala on his heart was a great source of comfort for him, solace to him, so he was able to get over the shock and grief of the brothers dropping him in the well. They go back. <coughs> so they went back at Isha, means at night time, and they went back to their father, <coughs> weeping, weeping, crying. And what did they say? Kalu ya abana. Inna dhahabna. That indeed our father. We went and we took Yusuf alayhi salam with us. Nastabikuhu. Watarakna Yusufa in the mata'ina fa'akaluhu zib. So we went racing and we were racing with them. We were playing a sports game. We were racing and we all raced off. And then we all raced off, so Yusuf was not included in the race, so he was left behind at base camp, if you will. And then we left him with the stuff. And then when we came back from the race, what did we see? That a wolf had eaten Yusuf lana. And oh, our father, we know that you will never believe us. You will never trust us that this is really what happened. So look at how, <laughs> right, how cleverly they're playing this emotional game with the father, yet you are never going to believe us. Even if though we are really sadiqeen, this is a very strong word to use, we are absolutely saying the complete, absolute truth to you, but you will never believe us. Allah Akbar. So this shows, right, uh, how when a person does sin, 
how much treachery they can use to cover up their sin. And it also shows that even men can engage in fake crime. Up to now, maybe some people thought that, yes, only women can do this. Men can also have fake crying and fake weeping. And they're trying to fake their father who is a Nabi. A Nabi of the time, So they're crying and their words and their emotions, they're trying. So here actually we realize that false crying will have no benefit. False crying will have no benefit. Why? Because the next ayah makes it clear that Sina Yaqub doesn't buy it. So they brought a shirt of Yusuf with false blood. They had falsely, maybe they killed some wolf separately and just rubbed some blood on it. So all, Sayyidina Yaqub responds to them. No, you have contrived this. This is all the planning, uh, planning and plotting and machinations of your nafs. This is all your nafs. And me, what will I do? Sabrun Jamil. I won't get angry with you. I'm not going to ask you, tell me really what happened. I'm not going to beat it out of you. No. Your false nafs, your hasad inside you made you do this. He tells them straight up, I don't believe anything you're saying. But for me, the path of sabr, for sabrun jamil, that sabr is the most beautiful, noble thing I can do. Wallahul musta'ab. And what that Allah Ta'ala is the one whose help and assistance is always sought. Yani, I will turn to Allah Ta'ala, Allah ma tasifoon, and seeking Allah Ta'ala's help against this description and what you have planned, that you have schemed and devised. So here we learn a few lessons. Number one, is that the tears, of fake tears are never accepted. They never have barakah. As opposed to the tears of sinners, they have a lot of barakah. Allah Ta'ala values the tears of sinners when they acknowledge their sin. Allah Ta'ala does not have any value for the fake tears of sinners who try to cover up their sin. <clears throat> Second, is that when a person receives bad news, we should learn from the Sunnah of Sayyidina Yaqub that Allah tells put in Quran for us to become Ahsan, for us to become virtuous, that we shouldn't overreact, we shouldn't be melodramatic, we shouldn't hasten, we should have sabr. He didn't start crying and wailing, we should have sabr. And why? Because sabr is jameel, because sabr is infinitely beautiful. And the nukta here, the, the, the hidden lesson here, is that if you have sabr jameel, then Allah Ta'ala will send his awn, his mother, his nusrat, his help upon us. And that person who Allah Ta'ala helps in difficulty, that is the greatest possible help anybody can have. <coughs> going back to the, then going back to what's going on with Yusuf <coughs> You can say a caravan, some travelers they were passing by. And they sent a person. They sent a person to the well to fetch some water, as is the case of travelers. And that's actually why they put Sayyidina Yusuf in a well, because they actually wanted him to be found. They didn't want him to die of hunger. They didn't want him to die of anything. They were putting him there in the intention and understanding that he would be found and rescued. And so, sure enough, when this person. Uh, lowered for Adla Dalbahu when he lowered his bucket, Kala Yabusha Hadavalam, that oh what a wonderful surprise I have here. Look at this young man, this shining, strapping young man. So then they hid him, basically they enslaved him. 
This was an era in which there was slavery, so these were actually slave traders. And this is a terrible thing. You think the right thing would be, oh, young man, where are you? Where's your father? How did this happen to you? Can we help you home? Where do you live? Tell us your name. No, no, no. They just took him and they enslaved him. And they hid him because they knew that maybe they thought, I mean, it was not true in this case, but they thought maybe his family will be out looking for him. Maybe there's some search party looking for him. Naturally, is the case when a real free person goes missing. So they concealed him. And they concealed him with the intention to use him as merchandise, as a commercial piece of property, to go trade him onward with somebody else. Wallahu alimum bima ya'malud. And Allah Ta'ala knew each and everything that they were doing. So Allah let them do it because actually it was the will of Allah Ta'ala that saying you say this be transported. But Allah can, can only imagine what's going to happen to these people on the Day of Judgment. That they will come in front of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala say, okay, I sent you to be the transporter for my Yusuf Islam. But you don't know I sent you for that. You saw this young, innocent man and you made him into a slave. They will have to answer to Allah Ta'ala for this on the Day of Judgment. That they then sold him for a paltry sum. Paltry sum. Just few just few innumerable countable dirhams. And they had no interest in him whatsoever. What does it mean? So here Allah Ta'ala is giving us some lessons. Number one. Why did they sell him at such a meager price? Because you would think they realize he's so strong, young, beautiful, handsome. A slave like that, we should he's a nabi actually, right? He's already gotten wahi. So somebody like that must fetch a fortune. But they were scared in their heart. They knew they were doing something wrong. They just wanted to get rid of him. So what did they do very cleverly? They took him and they sold him to a minister in the government of Misr. Because they thought that when the minister buys him, then if everybody goes to the minister, the minister will cover up because he also won't want to be accused of a crime. So they thought it was the best thing. And they just had Zuhud. This is the only place in all of Quran where the word Zuhud come. Zuhud here, the lesson is Allah is showing us. That notwithstanding Yusuf Islam's incredible beauty, these people did not look at the outward husan. Just and rather they had zuhud. They were not interested in his outward zuhud, uh, outward husan, outward beauty. So just like that, our iman should demand that we should also not be focused on the outward husan, the external beauty of other people. We should not sell our iman for the paltry sum of beauty. Rather, we should have zuhud. And for the women, it means that the women should hide their beauty. Instead of selling it, or instead of displaying it, because even if they show their beauty, there are people in the world who will not have any interest in that beauty, right? Bad people, wrong people, like these slave traders, had no appreciation for the beauty of Sayyidina Yusuf salam. Now, moving to verse number 21. That that person who bought Sayyidina Yusuf min Misra, he was from Misr, you need to take call Egypt. What did he say? He said to his wife, to my wife, Akrimi, that we should <coughs> do ikram of this Yusuf means we should be honorable and take proper care of him. <coughs> Maybe he will be of some benefit to us in a good way. He may serve us and be kind to us. And we may even adopt him as a son. 
fil-ard. And Allah says it is in this matter that we settle Sayyidina Yusuf in the land with this minister of Misr. And we taught Sayyidina Yusuf the imperturbation ahadith here means dreams. It's not being used for Nabi Yusuf's statements. We taught Nabi Yusuf the true interpretation of dreams. Wallahu ghalibun ala amrihi walakinna akthar nasi la ya'lamun. That Allah Ta'ala is ever dominant on all of his affairs means whatever Allah Ta'ala wishes to happen will happen. If it's Allah Ta'ala's wish that Yusuf should arrive in the home of this minister of Misr, then Allah Ta'ala will create a way, a sabab, a process for that to happen. And this is true for everything in the world, but the vast majority of people, walakinna akthar nasi la ya'lamun, they don't realize this. They don't know this. They don't understand that Allah Ta'ala is the true actor behind everything that happens. So now when Yusuf he came of age. Now what does this mean? Some say this means that he's now in the prime which is considered 20 years. He's now strapping 20 year old young man in his prime. Allah Ta'ala says that I gave him wisdom and knowledge. وَكَذَلَكَ نَجْزِي الْمُحْسِنِينَ Thus do we reward the people of Asan means thus to be reward the people who do good or people of virtue and beauty and excellence. Alright. <coughs> this concept of ilm and hikmah means that not only did Allah Ta'ala teach him the interpretation of dreams, but Allah Ta'ala bestowed upon him the uloom and hikmah of nabuba means the knowledges of prophethood, means he has now fully been elevated to his robust position as a Nabi, a Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <coughs> now comes the famous story, right? Of Sayyidina Yusuf That all of you know about Sayyidina Yusuf and the woman. Alright. وَرَاوَدْتُهُ الَّتِي هُوَ فِي بَيْتِهَا أَنَّفْسِهِ وَغَلَّكَتِ الْأَبْوَابَ وَقَالَتْ هَيْتَ لَكَ So that woman in whose house he was, she attempted to seduce him towards herself. أَنَّفْسِهِ <coughs> She locked all the doors. And then she said to him, هَيْتَ لَكَ <coughs> Come to me. Come to me. All Sayyidina Yusuf said these famous words, Allah, I seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, O woman, that I will never ever succumb to your seducing, your wiles, your wishes, that you want to do any level or any kind of zina with me. You have locked the door and surely she must have been a beautiful woman because every minister selects a beautiful woman for his wife. No, he said, I can never ever do this. And then he said something which has two meanings. He said, Innahu Rabbi. Ahsana Mathwaya that indeed he Allah Ta'ala in whom I'm taking refuge in, he is my has done my best caretaking. That's one way to translate this. That I seek refuge in Allah Ta'ala who has been my best caretaker, that he gave me Izzat in your house, he brought me here, rescued me from the slaves. How can I disobey Allah Ta'ala's hukam by allowing myself to be seduced by you? Second possible transition, both can be understood here is that Rabbi here means not Allah Ta'ala, but means the Husband of that woman means the minister himself that he's been such a caretaker, foster father to me, treats me like a son. How could I betray him by 
violating his wife, even if his wife is propositioning herself to me. إِنَّهُ لَا يُفْلِهُ الظَّالِبُونَ Surely those who do zulm, who, <coughs> who sin, they will never ever be successful. So he's trying to make a kind of da'wah on her also, that there's no success in this route, and he's trying to convince himself. Alright? So a few things here that Sayyidina Yusuf this ayah important to know. First, and that you remember in history that there was once another wife of a leader of Egypt, his name was Fir'aun, and his wife's name was Asiya, and she also adopted uh, orphan, abandoned prophet, which was baby Musa Alayhisam. Different was that when Asiya first held Baby Musa salam, her first nazar on him, because he was just a baby, was that of motherly love, motherly affection. Therefore, ultimately, she ended up taking iman. Whereas this woman, and as you know, the Allah Ta'ala mentioned her name, and that's also something to comment on, but her name is Zulaikha. When she first saw Sayyidina Yusuf salam, Yusuf salam was in a baby. He was already a very handsome teen. And when she first saw him, she fell in lustful, romantic love for him. And she was just waiting and biding her time. Now, it means that now she's not going to have that same feeling that Sayyidah Al-Sayyid had towards Sayyidina Musa salam. So this is why in our deen we are learning from here that the very way you look at someone, the way you gaze at someone, the way your outlook is is very important and even the niyyah that we make will determine whether that relationship will be based on haya and taqwa and purity and chastity or that relationship will be based on something impure and impermissible to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, number one, our deen has told us to physically lower our gaze from all ghair mahram that we shouldn't even be aware of, look at, gaze at, glance at non-mahram. Second, it means that okay, if due to any work or university or any situation, any relationship you have with ghair mahram, you should not look at their beauty. You should not be aware of their physical beauty, nor should you be aware of their emotional beauty, lest you get a feeling of attraction for them. Once you get that feeling of attraction, then that is devastating, and it will ultimately lead to much trial and... <coughs> much trial and... <coughs> Then Sayyidina Yusuf salam, he says, Ma'azullah means he turns to Allah SWT using his ismizat, ismi azam, Allah, a'udhu billah, means when we are in this feeling that I need to seek refuge, we say immediately we turn to Allah SWT, his greatest name, this is called ismi jalal, <coughs> ismi azam, ismizat, Allah. Alright, so this is the teaching. And if ever we are tempted by sin or face the opportunity of sin, and generally, but also specifically to have relations outside of nikah, then we have to seek the refuge from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now this is a very important... Uh, <coughs> <coughs> verse that is coming, verse number 24. That has unfortunately been misunderstood. And sometimes misrepresented by some people. Hawla billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajeem bismillahir rahmanir raheem wa lakad hammat bihi wa hammat biha lawla an ra'a burhan rabbihi kathalaka linazrifa anhu shu'a wal fahshaa 
إِنَّهُ مِنْ إِبَادِنَ الْمُخْلَسِينَ وَلَقَدْ حَمَّتْ بِهِ Indeed, the woman, she certainly desired him. She was determined, himma. She had firm resolve and was determined to achieve her unlawful, lustful objectives from him. وَهَمَّ بِهَا But don't pause there. Otherwise, وَهَمَّ بِهَا will be mistranslated. And some people have mistranslated this, that he also desired her. No. وَهَمَّ بِهَا لَوْلَا He may have also, okay, even strong, but he would have desired her if لَوْلَا were it not for Allah Ta'ala letting him see burhan, a clear manifest proof. So Allah Ta'ala sent inspiration on his heart, which is called Burhan. Burhan is crystal clear, not a dream which needs ta'wil, no interpretation. Clear, manifest, crystal clear sign that this will get you the displeasure of Allah Ta'ala. You will become in sin. Allah Ta'ala will be displeased with you. So this is the way Allah Ta'ala preserves Sayyidina Yusuf So initially on his own, he also felt no desire. And perhaps if the matter had continued without help from Allah Ta'ala, he may have felt some desire, but Allah Ta'ala always helps his Anbiya, and it's partly due to Allah Ta'ala's help from the Anbiya, precisely like this, is the reason why Anbiya are absolutely free and pure, masum, from any sin or any possibility of sin. So here Allah Ta'ala sent something clear, burhad, and he saw it. Now that Nabi, who knows even the interpretation, completely correct interpretation of Imagery in dreams. Can you imagine the effect that it has on that Nabi who sees a burhan from Allah SWT? Crystal clear that this is not something I should do. Alright? And Allah says it's in this manner. Kadalika linnasrifa anhusu'ah. That we turned him away or turned away from him the evil of this act. Wahbalfahsha'a and lewd immodesty. Innuhum min ibadina mukhlasin. So this fatha on the lam. Mukhla. Mukhlisin means a person who makes themselves mukhlis and khalis. Mukhlisin means it's a mafool. Allah Ta'ala makes them khalis. So Allah Ta'ala says, that, no, he is from those special ibad of ours. Who are they? They are called anbiya and mursaleen. Allah Ta'ala says, we have given them ikhlas. We have purified them and protected them from any such feeling. Alright. Now, when this happened, then interesting thing is next, that they're going to both race for the door. Alright. So it means that what he said had no effect on her, right? That, you know, we're going to be... Uh, and what she said had no effect on him. On it. Now, obviously, it's a very interesting thing. Why does he lock the doors? Now, you would think that this woman would have waited till her husband goes on some foreign travel some long distance journey. Okay, at least it's in the other part of town. No. This poor woman actually had done sabr for a long time. And we don't know how long it is. And right now she did a very nonsensical thing. That her husband is right there in the house. Her husband is right there on the same floor. Her husband is right there walking around in that corridor. That's why she has to lock the doors. So that's a very dangerous, precarious situation. So we realize that on her part, to be fair for her, fair to her, she's completely dominated by her nafs. This is not a wise thing to do, right? And then Yusuf also knows that the husband is right here, right in the house, right on the floor, walking around in the hall. So they both raced. <coughs> and surely, <coughs> she, <coughs> like I said, must have been a beautiful woman because every minister marries beautiful women, right? 
Now interesting to hear the ulama of Tafsir mentioned that Allah Ta'ala does not mention her name anywhere in this surah. Why? Because Allah Ta'ala is teaching us that look, in order to convey the lesson, it's not necessary that I take her name, Zulaikha. Others have said that well, Allah Ta'ala has taken names of other people like Abu Lahab and others. So perhaps this is the sign that ultimately, penultimately, and ultimately before she passed away, maybe her tawbah was accepted by Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And that's why Allah Ta'ala hasn't taken her name over here. Alright. <coughs> so we should also follow this procedure of Ma'az Allah. The young men, if anybody tempts them, any girl SMSs you, the internet screen is in front of you, you should say Ma'az Allah, you should run. This is what the lesson is run. Flee from that room, run from that scream. If there's a girl and there's some guy who SMSs you, run, flee, throw that phone away, change that sim. Don't think you're strong enough. Even Nabi Yusuf said, let me get myself out of this room now. It's not that she can compulse him or she could in any way force him in the act. He was a man, she was a woman, he must have been physically stronger. But he said, I must flee. Fafirru illallah. So this is the lesson of Nabi Yusuf that if the Anbiya also fled the possibility of sin, temptation to sin, opportunity of sin, so every one of us should also have this attribute that we flee. Don't think that I can indulge in some flirting, some texting, some emailing, some talking, some sitting next to, some helping with tuition, some helping with homework. No, no, no. You should flee any such even remote possibility, even if you feel there's 1% chance that you may have imperfect feelings. Because after Yusuf after that Burhan, he had 0% chance that he could have had imperfect feelings. And he was a Nabi, but still he fled. So the third thing we learn from this is to flee. Now, she had uh, bolted the doors. Um, also, another thing is that Sayyidina Yusuf Islam tried to present to her an emotional argument that if he was saying, if Rab means that husband, then look, he's taken such good care of us and good care of you. So what does it mean that if we're loyal to our relationships in this world, Allah Ta'ala will be loyal to us and grant us genital for those eternally. Right? And another thing, this is what we call this infidelity. So yes, a person should, men and women should stay away from infidelity, which has become extremely widespread. Now we are fasting and it's Ramadan and I'm too embarrassed to tell you the type of stories that come to me. But suffice it to say, I can tell you with a level of burham that the amount of infidelity, corruption, sedition, betrayal of even within married people, let alone the level of improper activity taking place between people outside nikah, before nikah, has reached a phenomenal level in this quote-unquote English educated elite, middle class, upper middle class, upper class society. And it's all on the sly. It's all very cleverly hidden. It's always surreptitious. But it's a big fitna. And it's against the teaching of Qur'an al-Kareem. And it will catch up with us sooner or later. And it's our experience that any person who is not loyal to creation, they can never be loyal to Allah SWT. It's not possible. If you're not capable of being loyal to your wife, you cannot be loyal to Allah SWT. And a lot of men... They have this illness and disease, which is what rationalization, self-justification. Well, I'm not interested anymore. Well, she's not attractive to me anymore. But who, where in Quran have you learned this lesson that your whole purpose of life on earth is to fulfill every single lustful feeling and desire you ever have? That may have been in your 20s, right? Of Kuchosha, once you cross 30, there are greater missions to accomplish in life. How long will you keep doing that? It's a foolish argument to make. Sometimes men, 50-year-old men, try to convince me of this. That, oh, but what can I do? And doesn't Islam say, I have to be attracted to my wife? Yes, Islam says that, 
to a newly wed person that when you're thinking of who to marry, you must be attracted to your wife. Islam doesn't tell a 50-year-old man that you should remain deeply, fanatically, lustfully attracted. You're 50 years old now. You have to grow up and move on. And the entire society, culture, media, fashion is designed not to let you grow up. Not to let you grow up. Not to let you mature into a spiritual being. To keep you into a nafs person, to a lustful person. So yes, if you feel that, okay, you're honest that you say that, get cured. Don't accept that about yourself. Acknowledge it. That I have a problem, that I still have a turbocharged nafs, even though I'm 50 years old. Get it cured. Go to ulama and mashayikh who teach tazkiyatun nafs, who will help you, assist you, train you, make dua for you at tahajjud, that your nafs can be controlled. Don't you think Allah Ta'ala has put this power in deen? You don't think there's power in deen that anything can be changed? This is foolish to think, no, I can't change myself. I am who I am. This is a disbelief against Allah SWT. Allah Ta'ala has put power in deen that a person can do that a person can stop their nafs from desire. And Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, La nafsan illa wus'aha. Allah Ta'ala has not taxed us with something that's beyond our ability. Therefore, it is necessarily laziman yaqeenan in our ability to stay away from unlawful, lustful glances, let alone relations and feelings outside nikah. But we have to submit ourselves to the power of the deen, the power of Qur'an, power of ibadah, power of the mercy and makhfir of Allah Ta'ala if we want to tap into that potential. And if you don't tap into that, it's our own failure. And that failure will haunt us in this world, and that failure will haunt us on the Day of Judgment. So Sayyidina Yusuf Islam is this is the core teaching. This is the real lesson that Allah Ta'ala has put in this whole surah. That we have to become a person of haya. So now what does he do? So they both raced for the door. And she tore his shirt from behind. Okay. And then what happened that lo and behold, who did they find at the door? Her Sayyid means her, literally means master, means her husband, her caretaker, her nourisher, her provider, the one who was loyal to her his whole life. And will also raise Yusuf in a beautiful way. They find him right there, right by the door. So immediately, what does she say? Immediately, she presents a defense for herself. That what should be the punishment for that person, oh wazir, who has made a foul intention and has intended evil with your wife, illa ayn yusjana, that either they should be imprisoned, oh adabun alim, or some other painful penalty and punishment should be inflicted upon them. So now what to be learned is in Yusuf ran for the door, even though bazaar it was locked. The way I understand this is perhaps... The husband had keys that opened the lock from the outside. Even at that time, there were keys. So he might have seen the doors locked and opened it from the outside. And this is what the barakah of Sayyidina Yusuf Islam fleeing. So I told you again, we also have to flee from sin. Then, him, his clothing, our ulama mashayikh said that his clothing may have been rent asunder from behind, but his garment of taqwa, says taqwa, his garment of taqwa was unsoiled. He protected the garment of taqwa, even if he wasn't able to protect the garment of his shirt. Now when this Aziz of Misr, he saw this, the husband, she immediately turns. So this shows that this is not true love. The Oliya Mashaik they teach that any love that is on the basis of nafs can never be true. 
جس محمد کی بنیاد نفس پر ہے وہ بالآخر اس کا انجام نفرت میں ہوتا ہے So this is the nature of every false, untrue, what in our line we call majaz, majazi love. Delusional, illusional, false, fake love. And the women should listen very carefully. There are a lot, and I don't mean to offend all the men here, because not all men are like that, but there's increasingly large number of men in Pakistan who exhibit what in American English we call predatory behavior. They will woo you over. They will message you. They will tell you all type of promises. It may be secret nikah. It may be double nikah. It may even be outside nikah. It may be gifts. It may be money. Don't fall for it. No matter how lonely you may be, no matter how much you feel you need emotional companionship, do not fall for it at all. Because I can tell you again, a long list of cases that come to me, every girl gets stung ultimately. All of those SMS, internet, online chatting, picking you and dropping you at... I should... I don't take the name. Huh? Some of these educational institutions. It's not lums. Some of these educational institutions that teach accounting. Let's put it that way. And have all types of shady hostels. The type of fitna and sin that is going on over there. So we ask the women be strong. Be steadfast. We ask the parents keep an eye on your children. Keep an eye on your children. If there's nothing impermissible in their phone, they will have no problem in you reading it. And if they panic, if they ever leave their phone at home, you should start panicking that my daughter is leaving her haya at home and leaving out without haya. And it's true for the sons also. It's not anything. The men and women are equally guilty in this. So here, so she also, when Sayyidina Yusuf told her he's our Rabb, so she also tells her husband that I'm your Ahl. That what do you want to do with somebody who does this to your Ahl? All right, so this was... <coughs> okay, now verse number 26. Kala hiya, so Sayyidina Yusuf says, Hiya rawat, hiya rawadat ni. She was trying to seduce me, unnafsi, from her own behalf. And then what happened? That a witness min ahliha from her own family is going to now make a statement. What does that person say? In kubalin that if his shirt is ripped or rent asunder from torn from the front, fasadakat, then she is saying the truth that he tried to seduce her and she was protecting herself from him. And Yusuf lays some believers from the liars. When dubur. However, if his shirt is ripped and rent asunder from the back, torn from the back, فَكَذَبَتْ Then she is lying. وَهُوَ And he, Yusuf salam مِنَ الصَّادِقِينَ Is from those who are true. Now, obviously, the Misr, and it's already come above in Quran, that the shirt was ripped from the back. فَلَمَّا رَعَى قَمِيسَهُ قُدَّ مِنْ دُبُرٍ That when the Aziz of Misr, he saw that the shirt of Sayyidina Yusuf salam was indeed torn from the back, all, then he said, إِنَّهُ مِنْ كَيْدِ كُنَّ now, interestingly here, and, you know, women are going to feel this, uh, he doesn't just accuse his wife, he says that indeed this is from the treachery and plotting of all you women. Now, what does it mean? He doesn't mean all women. He doesn't mean pious women. 
He's saying, though all you women who give into your nafs, who don't control your haya, this is your treachery, what we call an Urdu badkar orat. Har orat badkar nahi hai. Magar had barkat orat ke aise sajus or sarkash yoti. Alright? So that's what he's saying. Inna kunna azim. That indeed the plotting of that woman who, plotting and scheming and contriving of the woman who's overwhelmed by lust is indeed terrible. And similarly, the plotting and conniving and scheming of the man who's overcome by nafs, is lust, lust in their nafs is also equally terrible. So he makes a clear, clear statement that she's guilty. Then he turns to Yusuf al Yusuf. That means, oh my adopted son Yusuf al-Islam, that you just turn away from this. Let's forget this ever happened. Ignore this and overlook this all together. Alright? Then again he turns to her, وَاسْتَغْفِرِي لِذَنْبِكِ That and oh my wife, oh woman, you should seek forgiveness from Allah Ta'ala for your sin. إِنَّكِي kunti minal الْخَاطِئِينَ Indeed you, oh woman, are from those who made a mistake and from those who are sinners. <coughs> <coughs> So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is basically guiding and protecting Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi in every moment. Allah ta'ala makes the uh, woman rip his shirt from the back. Allah ta'ala makes the door open at the right time. Allah ta'ala causes that witness from her ahl to be there and to make that logical argument. And the husband accepts that logical argument. And then the husband realizes that uh, it was indeed his wife's fault and that Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi was innocent. And generally the ulama of Hasrin, they say that the minister, he knew, because he had been, uh, uh, Sayyidina Yusuf had been living with him for a long time. So he knew that he was upright, pious, a good person. It was for this reason he did not immediately accept the word of his wife and was willing uh, to reflect on the matter and give enough time for that person to make this suggestion. All right. <coughs> now, you would think that, okay, maybe this whole incident is over. But I say Allah Ta'ala continues in Quran that this poor woman, she's still, at this time at least, she could not control herself. Alright? Uh, because she hasn't made Tawbah yet. She was trying to convince the husband to imprison him, to give him punishment. So, now what's going to happen? <coughs> so next verses are 30, verse number, yes. 30. So all these other women in the town, they started hearing about the story. So they started saying things, Imratul Azizi. So the wife of the ruler, Turabudu, Fataha an Nafsihi, she tried to seduce her. Fatah means it could be her slave or attendant, yani the boy living with her sin, Yusuf al-Islam, an Nafsihi, on the basis of her own nafs to seduce him towards herself. And now she has been overwhelmed by love for this young man. But again, fake delusion of lustful love. And indeed, we see her that she's on a clear, manifest air. So the women of the town were talking. So now what happens is it comes back to the wife that the women are talking about me. So again, she has incredible scheming and plotting skills. So she comes up with another plot, another scheme. When she hears about the makrihinna, about the plotting of these women, arsalat ilayhinna, so she sent for them. 
She sent for them, you can say she invited them. So she invited them to a gathering where she put plush cushions where they could lean back and recline and she placed a knife at each place so they would hold a knife. She told Yusuf that you should come in. Now what's happening here? Yusuf up to this point thinks everything is okay. So he was kind of the attendant of the house. So he listens to her because she's the mistress of the house. So because she told him you should come in. So because he is being a good attendant, good khadim, good ghulam, he comes in. Now when all those other women, they see Sayyidina Yusuf salam. <coughs> That they said that, oh, they were amazed and awestruck at his beauty. And because of that, they cut their hands. Maybe they should have been cutting fruit. And they said that this cannot be any human being. This is an angel. This person has angelic level beauty. Now, now she said, after making them cut their hands like this, <laughs> this is what you were doing, Mulamat, you were criticizing me for. This, which you yourself have proven that you are also invulnerable. You're not immune to the beauty of Yusuf Laysam. I'm just like you, I wasn't immune. So you were critiquing me for something that you yourself are now guilty of. And then she says again, now remember Yusuf Laysam is standing here hearing all of this. He sees her planning, sees them cutting their hands, sees her saying to them, and she said, That indeed I did attempt to seduce him anafsihi towards me for the sake of the modus of my nafs. But he was masum, he escaped, he protected himself. That if he doesn't do what I command him to do, which means if he doesn't engage in lustful relations with me, that I will make sure that he is definitely imprisoned and he will be from those who are diminished, who are humiliated. His rank will be forgotten. He will have no status. Alright. Now, uh, now Sayyidina Yusuf he hears all this, that this is what she planned. Means she hasn't made any type of tawbah yet. In fact, she's openly telling other women. And again, he's mentioning this threat of prison. So he makes a decision. What? A beautiful decision. Allahu Akbar. What? That okay, better than this woman invites me to zina again, I'd rather go to prison. I'm happy. Prison is more dear to me than what this woman and maybe these other women would wish to do with me. I want to be even away from the invitation of zina, the temptation of zina. Like Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, Wala taqrabu zina, that don't you dare even go near the zina. So Sayyidina Yusuf is like this, I don't even want to be near this thing. Why? Because our deen is told there are several disastrous effects of zina. Understand this also before I tell you, go back to the story. Number one, is that when a person engages in any type of zina, zina of the eyes, zina of the mind, zina of dreams, zina of fantasy, let alone outright some level of zina of the body, they will fall disastrously in their deen. Their iman, taqwa, haya, adab, akhlaq, salat, tahajjud, tilawat, dua, istighfar, salawat, drutri, everything will go down, down, down such that they won't feel anything, then they won't feel like doing it at all. Then their ilm, if they had any ability to learn sacred knowledge, they would lose that ability. If they had learned ilm, they would not be able to be guided by that ilm, they will forget that ilm. They will even forget their hifs of Qur'an al They will lose their intelligence and hikmah, they will lose their perception, their understanding, their clarity. Allah Ta'ala will decrease the barakah in their rizq. 
And Allah Ta'ala will take the nur away from their faces and the sukoon away from their hearts and the barakah in their lives. All of this because the person surreptitiously, sneakily tries to betray creation and disobey their Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then what will happen if they continue on this, then Allah Ta'ala will put in their heart a bogus, a a malice, a dislike for the people of taqwa. Then they may even feel, na'udhu billah al-aman al-hafid, a malice towards Allah. They'll be upset with Allah Ta'ala. That why are my plans of zina coming together? Why can't I do this? They'll be even be upset that why Allah Ta'ala has put such babandi, such restrictions on me. It means they will lose their iman. And this is why Sayyidina Rasulullah says, in many days said, Al-Hayau Iman. Al-Hayau Shubatu Min Iman. Imam Bukhari Rantan Sahih made a whole chapter, Babun Kana Al-Hayau Min Iman. Collecting all the deeds with the Prophet equal Iman and Haya, Iman and Haya, Iman and Haya. That's why not only should we safeguard our own Haya, we should try to be agents that help others protect their Haya. We should try to create educational systems, educational institutions, workplaces, environments where a person can successfully get every single bounty and blessing that is permissible in this world without endangering and risking their haya. This is a need for the ummah. And this is actually something that's fairly doable in this country. It's not something that's not doable. And recently I was telling a couple of our friends that is mulka masla ye hai ki Ten years I've been working, teaching, lecturing, interacting with people in the quote-unquote whatever you wish to call yourself, right? No doubt. But the problem is Good people have unlawfully acquired houses. Good people lie on all types of statements. Good people try to get sneakily attempt their children to get admission into universities. Good people are doing bad things. When the good people in this country stop doing bad things, then you will have a critical mass and ability that the bad people will stop doing bad things. And when the good people keep doing bad things, then the bad people are definitely going to keep doing bad things. There's no hope to reform those who are... There is hope, but until the good reform themselves, it's less likely that the bad will form themselves. So this is our simple way we say in Urdu, Achilo garbar karna chordu. Bas. آپ کو خود پتا ہے کہ کیا گربر کرتے ہیں مجھے بتانے کی ضرورت نہیں سب کو پتا ہے سب کو دل میں پتا ہے کیا گربر کرتے ہیں سب چھوڑ دو دیکھیں یہ معاشق کیسے چمکتا ہے خیر alright so now yes سینیو سلی سام ورس نمبر تری قال رب سجن احب علیہ مما يدعونني إليه that oh my Rabb this prison is more dear to me more beloved to me than what they're inviting me to but it means sometimes to stay away from sin you have to go to khalwa you have to retreat you have to go in seclusion you have to escape you have to disengage and that's more beloved to me فَإِلَّا تَصْرِفْ أَنِّي كَيْدَهُنَّ أَسْبُ إِلَيْهِنَّ لُبَاكُمْ مِنَ الْجَاهِلِينَ then or if you don't Mm, uh, uh, turn their plotting away from me, then he says, but this is his humility, that I am in danger that I may even incline towards them. This is not a factual statement. No Nabi Kareem salam could incline towards him, but it's his fear. He's not doing, and this is the lesson that even as the Anbiya 
can't do etamad on themselves to stay away from sin, then who are mere new to do etamad to have trust and reliance on ourselves, then I'm strong enough, I can resist this temptation. So it's a lesson for us, his statement. So Allah accepted his dua. And yes, put a process by which he goes into jail. And by putting him in jail, Allah also averted their plotting and scheming from affecting him. Indeed, Allah is all listening and all knowing. What does it mean? Allah hears his words, but more importantly, Allah knows the feeling that he has in his heart. He's alim. He knows that this, my beloved Yusuf has real feeling of toba in his heart, real taqwa in his heart. So yes, I'm listening to his words, but I also know what he feels in his heart. And I love these feelings with which he is making dua to me. Not even more than the words. I love the feelings with which he is making dua to me. Okay, summa, so how did this happen? Summa badalahum mim ba'dima ra'awal ayati. <coughs> so then when they reconsidered, now what happened, this is a bit, it's not 100% clear in the works of Tafsir, but what happens here is, I suspect that basically the other people in the government saw that look, all these women are telling tales, this is a course of embarrassment for our national government, that the minister's wife is propositioning this person, and no action has taken place, so let's put him in jail. They reviewed everything, it doesn't mean the, the, the shirt was still ripped from the back, nothing new came up in the investigation. But they reviewed everything apparently, and they said, okay, let's put him in jail. Their intention was just for some small time. Let things die away. Let the matter die down. Right? Otherwise all these women are talking like crazy and they're all cutting their hands with knives. So let's just make the whole matter disappear. Alright? So then they put... So there's no mention that the husband did this. Right? So I personally feel that the husband remains loyal to Sayyidina Yusuf salam, but others decide to put him in jail. Okay, now number 36. So two young men, they happen to get in prison at the same time, they enter into jail at the same time. So immediately one of them starts telling this dream. That I saw myself, that I'm squeezing grapes and making wine. Okay. And the other one says, I also saw a dream. What is it? That I'm carrying on my head. A sack of seeds or wheat. And that the birds are eating from that sack on my head. So then they both say that, O Yusuf, you tell us what the meaning of these dreams are, because it appears to us that you are one of the Mosinin. Means you are one of the true and good and pious people. So they request instantly the interpretation of his dream, uh, of their dreams. Okay, now, uh, interestingly, that even by now, the people of prison... They're not looking at the husn of Nabi Yusuf They're able to perceive the ilm and hikmah, the nur of his nabuwa. They can see this wisdom in him. They can see that he's a prophet. So they're turning to him in his capacity as a prophet, not looking at him as an externally beautiful person. <coughs> so Yusuf he responds. He's not going to tell the interpretation initially. First he's going to do da'wah on them as a Nabi. Qala, la ya'tikuma ta'amun. That your food won't even reach you. I will interpret the dream even faster than the food that is coming for you will come. Means I can do it very quickly for you. 
This is all due to the fuzzle, the grace that my Allah Ta'ala has taught me. How did I get this grace that I left the path and the millah and the ways of those people who don't believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they are disbelievers and deniers in akhirah. So he's trying to tell them that look if you see this in me that I can interpret dreams know that I got this through iman in Allah ta'ala and iman in akhirah. And I'm following the path of my forefathers And I will never ever And it does not befit anyone To associate any partners with Allah SWT at all And this is the fazl that Allah put on me And my forefathers And upon all of humanity He means including you But the vast majority of people They're not grateful for the hidayah of Allah Ta'ala and then don't, don't take iman in him. Ya sahibi ya sijni that oh my two companions in the jail arbabun tafarrikuna khairan amilhaul waladul kahar arbab is plural of rub saying that is it better to have many multiple rubs deities gods or is it better what allahul wahidul kahar that one Allah Ta'ala, that absolutely uniquely, overwhelmingly dominant and powerful Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So now he's again doing doubt then. Ma min dunihi. And anything that you two are worshipping other than Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, it's nothing illa asma'an, except names and words that you have come up with. Sammaytumuha, antum, wa aba'okum. That these are labels that you and your forefathers came up with for these false gods. They're just names. Ma anzalallahu biha min sultan. And Allah has not revealed any warrant, any authority to establish the existence of these other deities that you believe in. In al hukmu illa lillah. That no, the decisive decree is only with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Amana Allah ta'budu illa iyahu. And Allah has commanded that you should not worship anyone except for Him. Thalakad deenu qayyim. This is also a very famous sentence of Quran. Some people they used to write books called this Adinul Qayyim. This is the true, steadfast, correct, accurate, established Qayyim Daim Deen. Walakinna Akthar Nasi La Yadamun. But again, unfortunately, the vast majority of people they don't know. So he's doing full dawah on them. That don't just accept this part of my debut that I can interpret deems. Accept this part of my debut that there's tawheed, there's no shirk, we have to obey Allah Ta'ala love, Allah Ta'ala worship, Allah Ta'ala, etc. After all this dawah, then he tells them the interpretation. Ya sahibi yasijni, that all my two companions in the jail. Amma ahadukuma, as far as the first of the two of you, fayaski dabuhu khamra, you will be serving wine one day to the king, to your master. Amma akharu, and for the other one of you, fayuslabu, fatakulu tehru min rasihi, you will be crucified and pasted on some board and the birds are going to eat your scalp and eat your brain. Allah Akbar. And the decision has been decreed by Allah Ta'ala regarding that which the two of you have inquired me about. Okay. Now he told them, now the one he knew who was going to survive and basically become freed and one day serve wine to the king, he tells him, that Sayyidina said to the one that he estimated would eventually be get salvation safe from the prison. Minhuma from the two of them, 
that uzkurni in the rabbik. That when you get out and free, mention me to the Aziz of Misr. Mention me to the husband of Zuleika. Then he will know that oh, I'm in jail and people have apparently forgotten about me. So when he knows, alhamdulillah, he is loyal and loving to me, he will take me out. He will remember that we just put him in for he in for a small period of time. So that person becomes freed. But what happens? فَأَنْسَاهُ shaitan. That shaitan made him forget what? ذِكْرَ رَبِّهِ To mention Sayyidina Yusuf to his master, his king. فَدَبِثَ فِي السِّجْنِ بِذْءَ سِنِينَ So Sayyidina Yusuf he remained in prison for many more years. Allahu Akbar. He remained in prison for many more years. Now imagine, he doesn't know that shaitan has made him forget. So he's thinking, okay, any day now, that guy must have, I told him, our interpretation of dream, he must be happy, he's freed. He would definitely tell the ruler, and surely any day now, the ruler will come down for me. And he has this hope, right? And he keeps waiting and waiting. And this lasts for what? Hmm? Bid asinin, several years. Several years. Allah Akbar. Then what happened? So when this fine fellow was the attendant and giving wine to drink to the king, the king sees the dream. Waqallah malakum. إِنِّي أَرَى سَبْعَ بَكَرَاتٍ سِمَانِي يَأْكُلُهُنَّ سَبْعٌ إِجَافٌ وَسَبْعُ سُمْبُلَاتٍ خُذْرٍ وَأُخَرُ يَا بِسَاتٍ يَا أَيُّهَا الْمَلَأُ أَفْتُنِي فِي رُؤْيَايَا إِن كُنْتُمْ لِلْرُؤْيَا تَعْبُرُونَ قَالُوا أَضْغَاثُ أَحْلَامٍ وَمَا نَحْنُ بِتَعْوِيلِ الْأَحْلَامِ بِعَامِ الْآلِمِينَ وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ جَاءَ مِنْهُمَا وَالذَّكَرَ بَعْدَ أُمَّةٍ أَنَا أُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِتَأْوِيلِهِ فَأَرْسِلُونِ فَأَرْسِلُونِي يُوسُفَ أَيُّهَا الصَّدِيقُ أَفْتِنَا فِي سَبْعِ بَكَرَاتٍ سِمَانٍ يَأْكُلُهُنَّ سَبْعٌ إِجَافٌ وَسَبْعٌ سُنْبُلَاتٌ خُضْرٌ وَأُخَرُ يَأْخُرُ يَأْبِسَاتٍ لَعَلِّي عَجِئُوا إِلَى النَّاسِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَعْلَمُونَ قَالَ تَزْرَعُونَ سَبْعَ سِنِينَ دَابَ فَمَا حَسَدْتُمْ فَذَرُوهُ فِي سُنْبْلِهِ إِلَّا كَلِيلًا مِمَّا تَاكُلُونَ ثُمَّ يَأْتِ مِنْ بَعْدِ ذَلَكَ سَبْعٌ شِدَادٌ يَأْكُلْنَ مَا كَدَّمْتُمْ لَهُنَّ إِلَّا كَلِيلًا مِمَّا so here's a whole story of a dream. What is it the king said that I see in a dream of mine that there's seven fat cows being eaten by seven lean cows and that there's seven verdant, fertile, wet, green ears of corn and there are others, seven others that are dry. So he said that all my ministers and counselors let me know furniture interpretation for my dream if indeed you were able to interpret dreams. Kalu, they said, no, that we are not able. Uh, we don't know what this is. These are seem to be mixed up images in your dream. And we are not people who know the interpretation of dreams. So that, that one who was released of those two former convicts, he remembers, right? After a considerable period, the ummatin. <laughs> Ummah is a word normally used for community. It means a whole generation of time. So here it's being used in Quran that after a long time he finally remembers about Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. Alright. So he remembers about Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam and then says to the king, I will inform you. I will inform you of the interpretation of the dream for Arsulun, but you should send me. Means I have to go to someone. So what does he do? He goes to Yusuf. That, oh Yusuf, ayyuha siddiq, that oh, you are the most truthful one, you are the most kind one. So let me know 
Tell me, what is the story of seven fat cows being eaten by seven lean cows and seven green verdant shears of corn uh, and seven others are dry? So why? So that I may go back. I may go back to the people so that they may learn and be enlightened. What is the message and the, the lesson in this dream? He replied that you will farm for seven consecutive years and you will have a good crop. Leave whatever crops you harvest in there, simple in their ears, in their shaft. Don't take it out. Except what you strictly require for eating. Otherwise, hoard it, save it, store it. Why? Because thereafter, seven difficult years will come where you won't really have any harvest and the ones that you saved in the first seven years, you will have to consume that uh, except the little that you left. Then a year will follow those 14 years in which abundant rains will fall for the people and then fihi yasinun literally means that they will squeeze and distill juices. It means that there will be so much rain that there will be even so much fruit that they'll have so many grapes and other fruit to squeeze into juice. Alright. So interprets the dream. Alright, now look at this. It's very interesting. And when the release man goes back to saying, look what he did. He doesn't say that, where have you been? I've been waiting here for years. I told you to tell the ruler and you don't apologize for that and you just want me to tell you the interpretation of dream. Huh? He doesn't do any of that. He says, okay, I need your help. He says, okay, I'll help you. He doesn't say anything. Right? Or oh, you're calling me Siddiq. How Siddiq were you? You told me that you were going to tell the ruler and you didn't tell the ruler. So it shows Sayyidina Yusuf Islam had so much hill, so much sabr. He was always ready to help out. This is the way of Anbiya. This was his Nabuwa. He was trying to help this person out. Okay, maybe now if I help him, maybe he will accept Dawah and accept Imam. So now when the man went back to the king and told him, so verse number 50, the king said that will bring him to me. So, uh, when the messenger Rasul here means the messenger comes to uh, Sayyidina Yusuf, messenger means this uh, escape convict comes to Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam, Qalirji ila rabbika, that you should return. Uh, Yusuf alayhi salam tells him, that, no, you go back. I'm not coming out yet. You go back to your master, means go back to the king, go back to the ruler, go back to the husband, and ask him, what? Fas'alhu ma ba'alun niswatin lati. Whatever happened to those women who cut their hands? What was the result of that case? Whatever, how did that matter conclude itself? Indeed, my Rabb means here. Allah Ta'ala is absolutely aware of their plot. So then the king, he asked that مَا خَطْبُكُنَّ That what is your tale? He goes to the women and tells them that okay, he gathers the women who cut their hands and says, what's your account? What happened? But did you try to attempt to seduce any of Salam to satisfy the desires of your nafs? So these women, they said, Hashalillahi, that we know, we swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ma alimna alayhi min su. We know that there is no evil, no mistake in Yusuf Salam. So they proclaimed the innocence of Sayyidina Yusuf Salam. So now the woman also said, Al-ana has haq. Now the truth has come out. The truth has been manifested. So now she also recants her false testimony and says, It was me who tried to seduce him for the sake of my own nafs. And indeed, Sayyidina Yusuf al-Sam, he is from the true one, the truthful ones. So now Yusuf al-Sam has got a complete bill of innocence from every and all party that was involved. 
Why? So this was so that he, means the minister may know, that I, Yusuf Islam, did not betray him in his absence. And without doubt, Allah Ta'ala will never make the plotting of these khainin of the true betrayers, Allah Ta'ala will never make them successful or promote uh, them in their plotting. So now when he learns that he's been exonerated, he's been cleared, then he comes out. Now the question is that uh, <coughs> why did she now after all this time give up and admit her fault? So the Allah Tafsir written that when love is weak, the person blames the other. But now perhaps she has true love for Sayyidina Yusuf Islam. True love doesn't mean true romantic love. True love means she realizes he's a Nabi, that he's something else. That look at his level of taqwa and sabr. He's been accepting this punishment in jail. He rather went to jail than us women trying to seduce him. So this is a unique, special individual. So now she starts to view him as a nabi. The same way Asir Badiatana started to view Musa Islam as he grew up as a nabi. So she changes. Now she says that he's nabi. How can I ever, right, attest or try to accuse him of anything? So instead now she accepts all the blame. I mean, she realizes the virtue, truth, husn, asan, the inner beauty. She now not looking at the external beauty. She now is looking at the inner beauty of Sayyidina Yusuf and his sifat of taqwa and sabr. So she realizes, okay, I have to give up my unlawful passion and my unlawful desires for creation and then maybe Allah Ta'ala will become pleased with me. Okay, but interesting, Sayyidina Yusuf what does he himself say? So this begins the next just 13, just verse number 53. nafsi. Even though uh, all these people declared him free and innocent, he says, no, I don't feel myself entirely free of blame. I don't exonerate myself entirely. Why? Because indeed this nafs is always going to supremely commanding a person to do sin and evil. I don't think I'm above and beyond the supremely commanding nafs. I just wanted to say that I was innocent at that particular moment, but I have no claim that I am absolutely pure of nafs and she has a nafs. I say that I also have a nafs, but Allah Ta'ala saved me by showing me burhan. And I had no trust that I would always be saved over and over again. Now look, this is called Siddiq. This is called true, right? He's not gloating. He's not saying, look, I was innocent. He's saying, okay, fine, yes, now it's come out the facts. But the reality is that I'm still in danger. Allah Akbar. This is called true taqwa. True taqwa. Always on guard against the nafs. Knowing that the nafs will command everyone to sin except, except who? Illa ma rahima rabbi. Except that person that my rabb has mercy on them. So it means all of this is just the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. It's not my own taqwa. Inna rabbi ghafoor rahim. Indeed my rabb, he is all forgiving, all merciful. Okay. Now all of this is done. Now next phase of the story. Says, bring Sayyidina Yusuf Islam to me. And now I'm going to keep him exclusively for myself. He's going to be my khas khadr. He's going to be my right hand man. He's only going to be with me now. فَلَمَّا كَلَّمَهُ قَالَ إِنَّكَ الْيَوْمَ لَدَيْنَ مَكِينٌ أَمِينٌ 
So when the king he spoke to him, he told him that, Oh, Nabi Yusuf salam, indeed you were makin and amin. Means you're extremely established and settled on your honor, and you're amin, you have my full trust placed in you. Kala, so Sayyidina Yusuf salam, he said, Kala j'alni ala khaza'in al-ard. Now why did Sayyidina Yusuf salam say this? Most likely the Altal sent wahi to him. That now the manifestation of your dream is going to come true. Through you becoming the treasure and that whole story that's going to come, that he's going to administer. Another reason was that Saint Yusuf wanted to look, I interpreted this dream for them. And they are accepting that the dream is true. I want to supervise that whole process for 15 years. So that the king has absolute trust in me and sees that exactly how I said the, in the, interpreted the dream, exactly that's what will happen. So I should be the one who makes sure that the grain is stored for seven years. Then I should be the one who makes sure it's distributed for the next seven years of famine. So I want to have that responsibility. So he said that, yes, you called me Makinun Amin. So Ayatullah, I'm Hafizun Alim. I'm Hafiz, I will safeguard, protect every single thing that is in my care, the entire treasury. And I'm Alim, I'm knowledgeable. I know how to manage the finances in a way that will be a benefit to you and your kingdom and your rule and to all the people in this land as well as, well as far away lands. وَكَذَلَكَ مَكَّنَّا لِيُسْفَفَ فِي الْعَرْضِ So Allah says in this manner then we settled and established the Yusuf on earth once again out from the prison. يَتَبَوَّعُ مِنْهَا and now Yusuf he could settle and dwell any place that he wanted. نُصِيبُ بِرَحْمَتِنَا مَنْ نَشَاءُ وَلَا نُذِيءُ أَجْرَ الْمُسْرِينَ Allah says that we will make our mercy reach whomsoever we want and we will never waste or let go idle the reward of those who are good doers. وَالْأَجْرُ الْآخِرَةِ خَيْرُ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَكَانُوا يَتَّكُونَ And undoubtedly the reward of the Akhirah is better for those people who have Iman and those people who have Taqwa. So this is a broader lesson. That even though now Senior Service is getting reward in this world, he's being made the minister. Allah is reminding him that fine, you're getting rewards in this world. But even for you, what's better is the reward I'm going to give you in Akhirah because of your Iman and because of your Taqwa. Alright. Now all of this has been put into place so that now Sayyid Yusuf's brothers are going to come back and ultimately the dream will uh, be manifested. So now it's not uh, so much detail in the rest of the story and a lot of you would already be familiar with what happens next. وَجَاءَ إِخْوَةُ يُوسُفَ فَدَخَلُوا عَلَيْهِ فَعَرَفَهُمْ وَهُمْ لَهُ مُنْكِرُونَ so then the brothers of Yusuf Salam, they came in front of him, also in this time of famine. So the first seven years have passed, seven years have passed now. This is now sometime in the second set of years that they've come in the state of famine. He recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. He recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. Question, why? Right? Because we would think that Saint Yusuf Salam's beauty was so amazing and that they're his brothers, they would never forget him. But by now they probably haven't seen him for about 20 years. So it's possible they couldn't recognize him. Second, that they are coming now in a state of famine. So they have traveled from that faraway place in a state of complete famine and hunger. So when a person is in extreme hunger and famine, maybe they're just not able to perceive. And the real reason in any case is Allah SWT doesn't want them to see. They're looking, but they can't really perceive who it is, and later you're going to see when Allah Ta'ala wills them to recognize, they will recognize. Now, Sayyidina Yusuf he gives them 
provisions. Alright? <clears throat> so when he, right, this is where you have the Urdu jahaz. <laughs> yes. When he prepared for them their provisions and stores to give to them which they had come to collect. Right? So he says to them a second thing. What? That bring me, the ten of you came, but bring me your other brother from your father's side. Now they should have thought, how does this person know that we have a half brother? But they don't think that right now. Why? Because he gives them an incentive. That don't you see that I'm giving you the full measure, I'm giving you a lot of wheat. And I'm giving you the best of hospitality. Alright. فَإِن لَمْ تَعْتُونِي بِهِ And if you don't bring him to me next time, فَلَا كَيْلَ لَكُمْ إِنْدِي وَلَا تَكْرَبُونَ You will not have any further measure of which from me. In fact, you should not come even near me at all ever again. Obviously, they wanted to get the next installment of crop or of grains. قَالُوا سُنُرَاوِدُ أَنْهُ أَبَاهُ وَإِنَّا لَفَائِلُونَ So they said, okay, we will ask our father, that he should send him with us and we will certainly, we will do it. We will make it happen. We will persuade him to send him with us. Okay. Now Sayyidina Yusuf Sami turns to his other assistants in the ministry and what does he say? Okay, that you should return the payment into their saddle packs. So they gave me some payment for the grain. I want you to sneak back the payment into their saddle packs. So that when they return back home to their family, then they will realize that I put the money back into them. I can return the money to them. Then hopefully they will be even more eager to return. Alright. <coughs> now what does this mean? One point to here to add is that they didn't recognize Yusuf a.s. So this is something in our deen. This is called marafat. You see Abu Lahab, Abu Jahl, they saw but they didn't see. They saw Nabi Karim Sallallahu but they didn't perceive his nur. They didn't recognize, they didn't accept. Same thing happened over here. That they saw this great Nabi Yusuf a.s. but they couldn't see, they couldn't perceive. Just like that, mu'mineen are the same in their marafat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what Allah keeps saying, nas, the majority of people, they don't know, they're not aware. A lot of us, we believe in Allah ta'ala, but we don't really perceive His qurb. Like Allah ta'ala said in Quran, فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ Then I'm close to you. وَنَحْنُ أَقْرِبُ إِلَيْهِ I'm closer to you than your own self. هُوَ مَعَكُمْ أَيْنَ مَا كُنْتُمْ I'm with you wherever you are. Very few mu'mineen actually feel these feelings. So those of us who don't feel these feelings were just the same like the brothers of Yusuf Islam who couldn't recognize their brother, we can't recognize our Rabb. So one of the main purposes of life is to get the manaf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to recognize and feel the qurb with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright. Here, now verse number 63. فَلَمَّا رَجُوا إِلَىٰ أَبِيهِمْ قَالُوا يَا أَبَانَا مُنِعَ مِنَّ الْقِيلُ that when they turn back to the return to their father, they say that our father, we have been prevented, we have been told that we're not going to get any more grain. Unless what? If we bring our brother, فَأَرْسِلْ ma'ana akhana. So send along with us our brother, Yani bin Yamin, نَقْتَلْ وَإِنَّ لَهُ لَهَافِذُونَ Then when you send the brother with us, then they will give us the full kale, the full measure, and of course, we will be his safeguarders. Call. Now Sayyidina Yaqub says, I've heard this story before. Right? That they want to take one of these beloved sons from me and they're insisting that they're going to safeguard him. So he said, Kala, 
هل آمنكم عليه إلا كما آمنتكم على أخيه I trust you with him يعني بن يمين the same way I trusted you with his brothers in Yusuf من قبل before فالله خير حافظة I will send him with you but Allah Ta'ala is the best guardian you at all not at all do I view you as guardians Allah Ta'ala is the best guardian وهو أرحم الراحمين and he is the most merciful of those who show mercy this is the first place in Quran but this Description of Allah Ta'ala's mercy has come. Alhamdulillahimeen. You may hear that a lot of us make this in dua. Sequentially in Quran, this is the first place. You're going to see another place shortly. So this is Yaqub alayhi salam. Means he was surviving up till now. It's been 15, 20 years now. On this heartfelt feeling that my Allah is not just Ar-Rahman, not just Ar-Rahim, He's Ar-Hamar-Rahimeen. He's the most merciful of the merciful ones. So it means we also should feel this feeling in our heart that if we are put in a long test, Allah Ta'ala save everybody from that, but sometimes it happens. Allah Ta'ala puts us through a long process, long test, long trial, tribulation. The way we can bear with it is by remembering that Allah Ta'ala is Ar-Hamar-Rahimeen. <coughs> So now Walamma Fatahu Mata Ohum for when they opened their provisions and their saddlebags and what did they see? So they saw the payment that they had made with Ruddat Ilayhim that had been returned back to him. Kalu, Ya Abana, that O oh, our Father, Ma Namri, what more could we want than this? Look, this is the payment that we made for that first installment of grain. Ruddat Ilayna, it's been returned to us. So then they get excited, they think, okay, now look, we're going to take our brother with us, we're going to bring back again as much grain, and this time we're going to add it one camel's worth, one extra camel laden of grain. And this, these grains that we have are still inadequate for us, we have to go again, and it will be easy for us to get this more. Now Sayyidina Kubala Islam called, he says, Lan Ursilahu Ma'akum Hatta, I will never ever send him with you. Hatta until Tutuni Mothikam minallahi that you will take a pledge, solemn oath, and pact in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Leta tunannani bihi illa ayyuhatabikum that you will definitely assuredly return him back to me unless there's something that overpowers you, overwhelms you. That's your ihata that is beyond your control. So when they gave that oath, Paul, so Sayyidina Yaqub still he doesn't trust their oath. He says, Allahu That Allah Ta'ala is going to be the bakil. He is going to be the guarantor of this pact that you have said. I don't even trust you to be the fulfiller of your own words. Allah Ta'ala will make it happen. Alright. Then he gives them some advice. What? Because he's worried about bin Yamin. وَقَالَ يَا بَنِيَّ لَا تَدْخُلُوا مِنْ بَعْبٍ وَاهِدٍ That don't my children don't and my sons don't enter the city from one gate. Maybe he thought that was risky. He thought that may be prone to some type of attack. So what should you do? وَدْخُلُوا مِنْ أَبْوَابٍ مُتَفَرِّقَةٍ That you should uh, enter from different gates. Some of you from this one, some of you from that one. وَمَا أُغْنِي عَنْكُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ مِنْ شَيْءٍ 
And in any case, he says, look, I cannot protect you against any decision or decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Innal hukmu. Innal hukmu illa lillahi. That indeed the command and decree belongs only to Allah ta'ala alayhi tawakkaltu. On Allah alone will I trust and depend. Wa alayhi fal yatawakkilil mutawakkilu. In fact, anybody who trusts and depends will only trust and depend on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Very important point here. That tawakkul does not mean to leave asbab. Means that even though Sayyidina Yaqub al-Islam is doing tawakkul, that Allah will protect you. Still, he's giving them advice that enter from different gates. He knows that if they follow this advice, if Allah wants something to happen to them, even entering from different gates won't protect them. But still, our job is to make use of whatever asbab means, plans, processes are in our reach. So tawakkul doesn't mean tarki asbab. To do nothing and leave everything to Allah Ta'ala at the outset. Tawakkul means to use the best of your knowledge and ability to plan the process in the best way that you can. And after planning and executing that process of asbab, to leave the natija, the result in Allah Ta'ala. To leave the result in Allah Ta'ala. So this is Nabi Yaqub alayhi salam. Okay. So, وَلَمَّا دَخْلُوا مِنْ حَيْثُ أَمَرَهُمْ So they listened Abuhum. So when they entered the way, their father had advised them. Right? means that uh, they entered to different uh, doors. yugni anhum min It's not going to protect them from anything Allah Ta'ala wants to do to them. Illa But this was a desire of the heart of Yaqub that let them try to protect Binyamin in this way. And this made him happy. This was what he decided and he fulfilled it and he made him happy. So indeed, he was knowledgeable. You need Sayyidina Yaqub was knowledgeable as a person of knowledge because Allah Ta'ala had taught him. But most people don't know. Most people don't have this knowledge that Allah Ta'ala tells the Anbiya. Here, okay, now verse number 69. Right? A very interesting thing here, by the way, is that Sayyidina Yaqub clearly has not stopped talking to his children. Even though he told them in the very outset, if you remember when Sayyid Yusuf Sam they came back with that falsified, bloodied shirt, he said, you're lying. But he still apparently kept them with him. He's still worried about them. He's still telling them to enter through different doors. So this is the lesson that as a father, he's using his parenting skills. He's never giving up on the children. He doesn't cast out the children. No matter what they did, he didn't kick them out. He kept guiding them. So this is a lesson for us also, that we should never give up on our children, never kick them out, never stop guiding them. He said, Yaqub showed so much shafqat, so much kindness to these sons of his who betrayed him, and he knew it through the yaqeen of ilm that Allah Ta'ala gave him. So then we should also be patient and overlook the children's faults. And the way to do that is what this tawakkul. To keep relying on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Keep relying on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Keep relying on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah ta'ala will ultimately make matters right. Will make everything correct. Okay. <coughs> So when they came to Yusuf and they presented his brother Binyamin, so Yusuf he took his brother Binyamin to him and he told him that, look, I'm your brother, but don't worry what's, what, what, what's been going on up till now and what they're about to do, don't worry about that. I'm taking it. So he reveals to Binyamin that he is actually saying Yusuf 
Bijahazihim. So when now Sayyidina Sallam prepares the provisions the second time, what does he do? Ja'al-Sikaya. He places the drinking measuring cup. He places it in the camel prank. Fi rihli, the saddlebag or camel of Akhihi of Binyamin. Thumma adhana mu'adhinun ayyatuhal a'iru innakum lasadakun. So then he had a caller call out that all people of the caravan, you are thieves. You are thieves. Kalu. So then the brothers came to them and said, وَأَقْبَلُوا When they faced them, they returned alayhim and said, مَاذَا تَفْكِدُونَ What is it that you've lost? Kalu. So then the people of Yusuf Islam, they said, نَفْكَدُوا سُوَعَ الْمَلِكِ That we have lost the drinking cup of the king himself. وَلِمَنْ جَاءَ بِهِ هِمْلُ بَعِيرٍ وَأَنَا بِهِ زَعِيمٍ So whoever brings it to us, we will give them an entire extra camel load of grain. And we provide a guarantee for that. So this was the original wish that they wanted to get an extra camel load of grain. So they say, Qalutullahi, لَكَدْ أَلِمْتُمْ مَا جِئْنَا لِنُفْسِدَ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَمَا كُنَّ سَارِكِينَ You know very well that we haven't come here to spread fasad, mischief, sedition in these lands, and we are not thieves. Qalut, so they said, okay, فَمَا جَزَاؤُهُ إِن كُنْتُمْ كَاذِبِينَ What will be your punishment if you're actually lying? قَالُوا So they said, جَزَاؤُهُ مَنْ وُجِدَ فِي رَحْلِهِ فَهُوَ جَزَاؤُهُ So the punishment should be that whomsoever and whomsoever's camel saddlebag that you find it, they should be punished. كَذَلَكَ الْنَجِزَالِمِينَ This is how we punish those who are oppressors. So basically Yusuf made constructed a way that they themselves would accept the punishment and i.e. leaving behind Binyamin with him. So, فَبَدَأَ so Yusuf began to have their uh, satchel, saddlebags searched. All right. And then uh, what happened? That before, قَبْلَ وَيَا أَخِيهِ ثُمَّ اسْتَخْرَجَهَا مِنْ وَيَا أَخِيهِ Before they could take it out from his brother's saddlebag, he himself took it out from the brother's saddlebag, بِنْ يَمِي saddlebag. كَذَلَكَ كِدْنَا لِيُوسُفِ so thus did we, Allah Ta'ala says, we inspired Yusuf Islam with a plan of action. مَا كَانَ لَيَأْخُدَ أَخَاهُ فِي دِينِ الْمَلَكِ إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهُ نَرْفَعُ دَرَجَاتٍ مِنْ مَنْ نَشَاءَ وَفَوْكَ كُلِّ ذِي عِلْمٍ عَلِيهِ Okay, so he could not have kept back his brother except according to the law of the king. So this was the law of the king that we had to stage this mock theft. Unless Allah Ta'ala willed it could have happened, but he chose to use the asbab. And we elevate, Allah Ta'ala says, we elevate the ranks of whomsoever we will. And above every knowledgeable person, there is somebody who has even more knowledge. So this is a general teaching that every over-knowledgeable person, there is someone who has more knowledge. This Allah Ta'ala has mentioned in Quran in order to humble us and to make us realize that none of us are the final word in knowledge. Okay, I'm going to speed up a little bit. Uh, not so much because we can't finish by 5.30. But I'm not so sure I can last till 5.30. So up till now I've been reading the Arabic for you. I'm actually not going to read the Arabic now. And this is a very simple transition. I will just translate and mention few lessons. Otherwise really most of the rest of the surah doesn't have any real intense uh, commentary to it. Okay, so verse number 77. So then the brother said that if he has stolen, then surely this Binyamin, 
if Benjamin is stolen, then surely his brother before him, yani the implicate Yusuf salam, surely he must also have stolen. Now, I don't know where they decide to bring Yusuf salam in this. So he concealed this matter in his heart. He didn't disclose it to them. And he said to himself in his heart that you were worse off. And Allah Ta'ala knows best of the truth of your allegations. So Kalu, so the brother said, Ya Ayyul Aziz, that they said, O oh, minister, inna lahu aba shaykhan, that look, inna lahu aba an shaykhan, that this Binyamin, he has a father who is an old man, so he's going to be very distressed at his loss. So take one of us ten in his place. For indeed we view you to be amongst the kind people. So the king said that, no. Kalu uh, ma'adullah. Same thing, that may Allah Ta'ala forbid ever, ever that we should take somebody innocent. And we are only going to keep back the guilty one with whom we found the article of theft. And if we were to let him go and keep one of you, then it would be from the zalimun. So then basically the brothers gave up. And they knew that we can't convince Yusuf to let Binyamin come back with us. So we're going to have to go back all the way to our father without Binyamin. So when they grew weary of ever convincing Yusuf to take Benjamin back, so they stood aside and they made mashra. The eldest of them, remember the eldest of them, I told you he was coming. So do you not know that your father had taken from you a solemn oath from Allah Ta'ala and before you already had made a mistake with regard to sending Yusuf salam. Now he says, the elder one, I will never leave this land. I'm going to stay right here. I can't face my father. I can't go back without Benjamin. So the eldest of the ten says, I'm going to stay here, I won't leave the land until my father permits me, or Allah Ta'ala decides my matter. So he turns to Allah SWT, again seems to be more in tune with Allah SWT, until Allah Ta'ala decides the matter, وَهُوَ خَيْرُ الْحَاكِمِينَ Allah Ta'ala is the best of deciders. So he tells them, the rest of you, irji'u, that you should rest of nine of you, return to your father, and tell them that Binyamin has been stolen, has been kept back, because in explanation of the whole story, and tell them that look, uh, apparently Binyamin stole. And we are just testifying to what we accurately saw. And we have no knowledge. We have no knowledge of the unseen. We don't know the real truth, but this is what we saw that the article of theft was extracted from Hermes Salabat. So then, <coughs> tell the father, the elder one is advising them, then also tell your father, that he can ask the other people who are with us in the caravan from our town, other than us brothers, and they will also tell our father the same thing, that this stolen item was recovered from the satchel of Binyamin, and therefore we indeed are in this case really truthful, even though we were untruthful in the affair of Sayyidina uh, Yusuf alayhi salam. So verse 83, then when they return back to Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi salam, he doesn't accept it. Right? He says, That you guys have planned this and plotted this and your nafs has contrived this yourself. But again he says, what am I going to do? Fasabrun Jamil. Again I will have Sabr Jamil. The same Sabr Jamil I had with Sayyidina Yusuf al-Islam's absence. The same Sabr Jamil I have, will have with Bin Yamin's absence. Asallahu tiyani bihim jami'a. So if I have sabr, then maybe Allah Ta'ala will bring them all back to me. Means Yusuf Alayhisam, Binyamin, and that eldest one also, who you said stayed back because he had too much shame. Inna hu huwa alim al-hakim. Indeed, Allah Ta'ala is all-knowing and is all-wise. Watawalla onhum. Then Sayyidina Yaqub Alayhisam, he turned away from these children of his. Waqala, ya asafa ala Yusufa. That, oh my grief, my sorrow for Sayyidina Yusuf Alayhisam. Wa biyallat aynahu. Minal Husni and actually his eyes had turned white with sorrow for and he had been hiding it and suppressing it all this time. 
So it means he had so much grief and sorrow over these decades of absence from Sayyidina Yusuf Again, his sons got upset. They said to their father, We swear by Allah Ta'ala, you keep mentioning Yusuf and you'll keep doing it until you waste away and you become totally destroyed. Halakin means when you fade away from this earth. So he replied, Innama, another very famous sentence of Quran 86, Innam, verse 86, Innama ashku bathi wa huzni ilallah, that I don't say anything to you. I complain entirely of my sorrow and my grief only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wa a'lamu min Allahi ma la ta'lamun and I know about Allah ta'ala and I have such knowledge from Allah ta'ala that none of you have at all. Then he said, oh my sons, okay now you go and search for Yusuf Islam and Binyamin, his brother and don't and he tells them also that look, wala yayasu min ruhillah that don't you despair, wala that don't all of you ever despair of getting the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Here mercy is to be calling ruh. Ruh means that the heart and spirit of Allah Ta'ala's relationship with us is that He is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. That nobody will ever grow weary or despondent or will ever uh, feel hopeless in the mercy of Allah Ta'ala except those who are disbelievers. So He's again trying to do da'wah on them that be believers, behave like believers, have this trust in Allah Ta'ala. Go again and in your complete trust in the mercy of Allah Ta'ala bring back, find and bring back Yusuf Al-Islam and Binyamin. So again they travel all the way back, verse 88. So when they enter into the presence of Sayyidina Yusuf Islam, they say that, O oh, minister, addressing him, that look, our family has uh, calamity and sorrow has befallen our family. We have come with a payment with a sum that is worthy of being returned. So grant us the full measure and be charitable towards us. Indeed, in Allah, indeed, Allah will reward those who give extra charity. So Yusuf Islam so now he says to him, do you know, do you remember what you did to Yusuf and his brother? And you were ignorant? So now they wake up. Now the way he says this name, when he says this Yusuf then Allah, but then their eyes and their perception opens up. Oh. <coughs> so they all exclaim, إِنَّكَ لَأَنْتَ Yusuf." That indeed, it, you, you, is it really you? Yusuf al-Islam calls. Sayyidina Yusuf al-Islam said, Ana Yusufu. That yes, indeed, I, I am Yusuf al-Islam. Wa hada ahi. And this, this is my brother bin Yameen. Qad mannallahu alayna. That indeed, Allah Ta'ala has favored us over you. To, to use slang, you know, deal with it. Right? Finally understand this. Allah Ta'ala has favored me over in you. I am a Nabi. I have fazilat over you. Alright? But why? Now the golden rule Yusuf Islam is given that whomsoever has taqwa and whomsoever has sabr Allah Ta'ala will never waste the reward of those who are doing good. That means the asal thing to have is taqwa and sabr. Asal thing to have is taqwa and sabr. All of Yusuf Islam's decades of hardship all boiled down to haya, taqwa, Sabr, Tawakkul. These four things. Haya, Taqwa, Sabr, Tawakkul. This is the lesson of this whole surah. If we walk away with this lesson, we have earned something. And if we just walk away with information, stories and names about brothers, and that's not what Quran al was revealed for. 
Quran al-Kareem has been sent by Allah Ta'ala to make us change our feelings, to make us change our life, to make us change our lifestyle, to ultimately, most importantly, change our relationship with Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. These are the feelings a person has to feel with Allah Ta'ala. Taqwa, sabr, <coughs> and tawakkul for Allah. And haya, in front of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala, from any and every type of sin. So they said indeed by Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala, now they accept it. Indeed, Allah Ta'ala has certainly preferred you over us. And indeed, we realized that we were mistaken all along. So then when they finally admitted it, Yusuf Alayhisam in verse 92 said another famous sentence of Quran. He said, there will be no reproach on you this day, no recompense, no badla, no revenge. I forgive you entirely. And our own Shaykh, he often makes his dua, La tathriba alaykum al yawm. And Sayyidina Rasulullah at Fatih Makkah, he repeated these same words of Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi And he was in the same state that finally he was reunited with his Ahl in Makkah Makarama, with the Ahli Quraysh and the Ahli Iman returned to Makkah Makarama. So he addressed all the kuffar and had it proclaimed, La tathriba alaykum al yawm. That, O kuffar of Makkah Makarama, after this Fatih Makkah, we have no revenge on you, no reproach on you, there will be no blame on you. Then he makes dua. <coughs> like I told us, the dua of the Anbiya that is going to get these brothers forgiven. So here he makes the dua. Yaqfirullahu lakum wa huwa arhamar rahimeen. Same, second time it comes down in Quran. Then Allah will forgive you. Why? He was Alhamdulillah Rahimin in the consoling sense. He made Sayyidina Yaqub my father lasts so long without me. And he's Alhamdulillah Rahimin in the forgiving sense. He will forgive you all my brothers for what you did to me. After you accepted wa in kunna you acknowledge that you were wrong towards and I Yusuf Islam made dua for you. Ya Then he tells them, Idhabu bikamisi hadha. This famous incident also all of you know that he sends his shirt back with the brothers and says that you take this back to my father. So this is after he's entirely won them over. They've become mu'mineen in him. He's forgiven them. He's made dua for them. Now what does he do? He's worried about his father and he tells them that you take this shirt and فَأَلْقُوهُ ala wajhi That you place it on his face. Wajhi abi On the face of my father. Yati basira He will again instantly regain his sight. وَاتُونِي بِأَهْلِكُمْ ajmain, And then come back with your entire family. Father, brother, uh, father, mother, all brothers to me. So what is this known? Listen carefully. This verse, verse 93, shows that there is barakah in the clothing of the Anbiya. This is Qur'an al-Kareem. And if there is barakah in the clothing of Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam, there will be barakah in the clothing of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There is barakah. So if there is anything, Allah whether something is authentically been transmitted down to us, as the turban or cap or clothing or hair of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi sallam. But if any such item is authentically transmitted, then there is more barakah in that than even there is barakah in the shirt of Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi sallam. Second, specifically we learned about kameez. This is sunnah libas. It means that there is barakah in the shirts of the Anbiya. So if there's barakah in the shirt of Sayyidina Yusuf salam, then we should also, the men, should follow the sunnah dress of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now let me tell you the indisputable fact of the sunnah dress. The sunnah dress is very simple. 
that Sayyidina Rasulullah number one always wore an upper garment and always wore a lower garment. So first thing is there are always two garments. Second, that his upper garment was always going up to at least his knees and often went past his knees up to mid-calf. Third, that the upper garment was baggy, loose. Why? So that the man's aura, which is the man's nakedness from the navel belly button to the knees, should have double covering. Double covering is the indisputable sunnah of the clothing of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa Why? Because it's not enough just to cover the skin. So wear really tight pants and have a tight shirt. We will say that's not haya. You have to cover the shape of your aura. And our aura is from the navel to the knees. Alright? So if a person wants to have sunnah in their dress and get the barakah of the sunnah shirt of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there's not, everything else is additional. Color, design, Indonesian, Nigerian, Turkish, Pakistani, kurta, kameez, jubba, galabiya, white colors, all of that can still be called sunnah. But the real sunnah shirt of Nabi Kareem sallallahu is that it was loose and baggy and was long enough so that it did double covering of his aura. Now if a person is a doctor, they can wear a long lab coat with the niyat of sunnah, right, at work, because they may not be able to wear this type of libas. A uh, person may in other ways in other ways find ways to fulfill this sunnah, but this is the sunnah dress of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Alright? So we learn from this the verse, verse ninety three, that there's baraka in the baraka in the clothing and the objects and the shirt of the Anbiya alayhim salam ajmaeen. Verses ninety four. So when the caravan set out from Misr so their father, Sayyidina Yaqub what did he say? He said that I can sense the fragrance. I can sense the fragrance of Yusuf alayhi salam. Hmm? Means he could tell that that shirt is coming and from far away he could sense the spiritual fragrance. The ruh, the fragrance of the ruh of Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam which had been embedded in the shirt that he wore. And this is something that Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi salam. Now his son still didn't accept him. So 95 they say, oh you were still Lafi Dalal al Kadim. You were still in your own old ways that you were still obsessed with so much love for Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. Right? But when the person came with the good news, so he put the shirt, Anja al Bashiru, al Kahu ala wajihi. So he placed the shirt on his face and instantly he returned, his sight returned to him and he became seeing again. And then he addresses his sons and said, Call, the Sayyidina to his son, That didn't I tell you I know things from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you people you don't know. So this is spirituality. This is ghalib over physical laws. Just like Allah Ta'ala has made physical laws of the universe that everybody celebrates in the name of physics. This is a spiritual law that the ruh of the Nabi, Yusuf alayhi salam, the fragrance of that ruh was transmitted into that clothing. And that fragrance was not corrupted by being carried, by that clothing being carried by the corrupt brothers of Sayyidina Yusuf. <coughs> when they saw this, so then they finally... so wrong all along with you and so wrong all along about our blessed brother Sayyidina Yusuf so what did he respond? Qala Sayyidina Yusuf responded so fa astaghfiru lakum 
Rabbi, I will surely indeed just now beg Allah Ta'ala, beg my Rabb to forgive you. Indeed, my Rabb is all forgiving, all merciful. I have no doubt that surely He will forgive you. Then, when they all returned and they came back to Yusuf alayhi salam, so the Yusuf alayhi placed his parents near himself, and then he said, that you enter into that you enter into Misr in such a state that you are Amanin, that you are in peace. And then he raised his parents up on the throne. And now what happens? And then all of them fell before him in Sadda. So now he says, Oh my mother, this is now indeed the fulfillment of that dream that I had had initially. What? That 11 stars means my 11 brothers. The sun and moon means my father and mother are going to do sadza to me. So my Rabb has indeed made it come true. وَقَدْ أَحْسَنَ أَخْرَجَنِي مِنَ السِّجْنِ And indeed Allah SWT sent a special favor on me when he took me out from the prison. And he brought you from the countryside from home after shaitan had caused. So he doesn't get upset with the brothers. He said, that it was shaitan who caused this whole rift between me and my brothers. Indeed, my my Rabb does everything in a very subtle, discreet, special way. Whatever Allah wants will surely happen. Indeed, Allah is all-knowing and all-wise. So question arises at the sajda. What does it mean that they do sajda to say Yusuf Because otherwise it's haram to do sajda. So actually in our Sharia, Sharia of Nabiya Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Mustafa, it is absolutely haram to do any type of sajda whatsoever to any type of ghayrullah whatsoever. However, at that time in the Sharia of Sayyidina Yaqub and Sayyidina Yusuf it was absolutely haram to do a sajda of ibadah, to prostrate out of worship to any ghayrullah. But if a person bowed or did sajda out of respect or honor for someone, not in our sharia, but in that sharia, it was allowed. Like you may see sometimes today, people. Today you may see that there are some people who, because in their martial arts, it's not allowed in sharia, but they do ruku towards that person. In our sharia, any type of ruku or sujood is no longer allowed to ghayrullah. But in previous sharias, ruku and sujood was allowed to ghayrullah, but not out of worship, but out of ikram. The same way today, the martial artist bows to his sensei or sifu or his teacher, he's not worshipping him, he's bowing out of respect for him. That's no longer allowed in the of Islam. But the point is that it's a different act. One is of takrim, is it uh, ikram, out of respect, and one is out of worship. So the sajda that they all did to say to Yusuf was not a sajda of ibadah, but was a sajda out of respect. And obviously, <coughs> because it is in Quran al-Kareem, so this is the haq from Allah subhanahu wa Now, one on one. رَبِّكَ الْآتَيْتَنِي مِنَ الْمُلْكِ وَأَلَّمْتَنِي مِنْ تَعْوِيلِ الْأَحَدِيثِ Then, O oh my Rabb, indeed, you have given me the power to rule in this way that I was minister of the treasury, and you give the knowledge of interpreting dreams and events, you indeed the originator and creator of the heavens and the earth, you are my beloved friend in this world and in the akhirah. Of look at the figure, Sayyidi Yusuf, 
that everything is done now. It's all happy ending. All brothers are seeking forgiveness. They're all united. He has a good position in society. But he's worried about Akhirah. Tawaffani Muslima. When I die, make sure I die in a state that I'm from amongst those who have submitted to you entirely. And in Akhirah, make me join the Salihin. So this is also a dua we should make. Tawaffana Muslima wa alhikna bis Salihin. That we should make the same dua Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. <coughs> now the last part of this surah, which is verses 102 to 111, and then inshallah the end of the du'a, is now that Allah has concluded that story, and explain to him some things that may or may not happen when you share and recite this whole surah to the mushrikeen of Makkah Makarimah who made this challenge. Thalaka <sighs> min. That Allah says that this is from the stories of and accounts of the unseen that we have sent wahi down upon you, Nabi Karim sallallahu That you weren't with them when this happened. It means you weren't with the brothers when they did all this plotting and scheming. This is something that you only know because Allah has revealed it to you. However, that the vast majority of people won't take imam. Don't think, okay, I have this surah, I will recite it, and that mushrikeen in Makkah will accept now. That they gave me a challenge that tell us something about Yusuf so I tell them the whole story, they'll accept imam. Allah says, no. The vast majority still won't take imam. Even though you really want it, even though you're hadith, you really, 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 really want them to accept imam. They will remain stubborn. Their refusal to accept Iman was zid. It wasn't because they were waiting for Dalil. Their refusal to accept Iman was because they didn't want to accept Iman. Why? Because they don't want to change their life. It's that simple. The mushrikeen of Makkah, they knew one thing. And maybe even me and you have forgotten. The Muslims of today have forgotten. The mushrikeen of Makkah, they knew that if we accept Iman and Islam, we have to change our life entirely. The way we talk, the way we act, the way we look, the way we interact, the way we feel, we'll have to change every single thing. And that's why they don't want to have Imam. I mean, you could go back in time, some of us, and tell them, no, no, look at me. You can accept Imam, you don't have to change anything. You can be exactly who and what you are, and exactly who and what fashion, culture, society, media, ideology wants you to be. You can be enlightened and moderate and modern. You don't have to change everything about yourself. Means even the mushrikeen of Makkah understood this. That this deen, yes, he's true, Prophet. They used to say, As-Sadiqul Ameen. Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, Ya'rifunahu kama ya'rifuna abnahu. That they recognize Nabi Yaqib to be a true Nabi, just like they recognize their own sons to be their sons. But they made a conscious, deliberate, active decision not to accept Iman. Why? Because they knew if we accept Iman, we will have to change. We have a lot to learn from these mushrikeen of Makkah. Yes? If only we could bring that change in our life that they were afraid of. Hmm? If only we could bring that deep, dynamic change in our life that they were afraid of, then we would be really... We, would, we could say to Nabi on the Day of Judgment, the Yalasulullah on the Day of Judgment, we could say this, that okay, you're reciting this surah of Surah Yusuf, didn't change their hearts. 
but it was recited to me in 2014 Ramadan, it changed my heart. The way you wanted the Mushrikeen of Makkah to change by reciting Surah Yusuf on them, they didn't change. But if I had been there in the Kareem Sassam in your lifetime, I would have loved to heard this Surah from you, and I would have changed my whole life from you. I wasn't there in your lifetime, but I heard this Surah in my lifetime. If I wasn't there in your lifetime, I heard this Surah in my lifetime. And so I changed my entire life for you. I did what you were hopeful that the Mushrikeen of Makkah Makkah that's called Iman. That's called Qur'an. Ye Qur'an just tarjima tafsir tuhi nahi hai. Kya tarjima nathin hai. Qur'an is not just for translation and commentary. Qur'an is to change our hearts, to fix our hearts, to change our lives. And a lot of us are in great danger that we're unchanged by Qur'an. If you tell me, if a person is unchanged by Qur'an, it's exactly what Allah Ta'ala is saying. This is the sifat of the mushrikeen of Bakkum al Unchanged by Surah Yusuf. So we have a decision to make as we now wrap up. We want to be like them, unchanged by Surah Yusuf, or we want to be different. We want to be loyal lovers to the Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We want every harsh, every ayah, every nur, every hidayah of the surah to enter into our heart and to change our hearts entirely. So Allah Ta'ala said that most of them won't believe. So 104. That you don't even ask them for any ajr. You don't ask them for any for that. In huwa illa dhikrun lil'alameen But in fact this Qur'an al-Kareem and this Surah Yusuf is an advice for all of the worlds. It's in the siha, zikra, advice, admonishment, lessons, many of which have been highlighted during the course of the session today. So the Ta'ala then starts ending and wrapping up this Surah. Waka'im min ayat fi ardi that there are many, many signs in the heavens and the earth that pass in front of their very eyes. But yet, they turn away from it. They ignore it. They choose not to follow it, not to accept it. Most of them, even who believe in Allah Ta'ala, they believe in Allah Ta'ala in such a way that they still ascribe partners to Him. They still engaged in some type of shirki khafi, they still follow their nafs along with believing in Allah SWT. So Allah says, such people that you're believing in Allah Ta'ala, but still following your nafs as a shriek, أَفَأَمِلُوا عَيْنْ تَعْتِيَهُمْ غَاشِيَةٌ مِّنْ أَذَابِ اللَّهِ Do you feel, do they feel that they can be secure from the punishment that of Allah SWT that will befall them? أَوْ تَعْتِيَهُمْ السَّاعَةُ are they not worried that the hour will come to them suddenly when they are unaware and unprepared for this? So say to them, Nabi Akreem, that this is my way, my path. I make da'wah clearly to Allah SWT, Allah Basira, with heartfelt feeling, with insight, with passion, with emotion. Anna, I, Nabi Akreem, will make da'wah this way. And anyone who wants to be my ummati, anyone who wants to be my follower, anyone who is from mu'mineen will also make da'wah in this way, that they will call directly to Allah SWT. They made this da'wah, they walked the face of this earth, the history of South Asia, which there are 500 million Muslims alive today. How did this become half of the ummah? Because some awliyaullah walked these lands and they were calling only to Allah SWT. 
99.9% are descendants from Hindus who accepted Islam at the hands of these awliyaullah who were calling to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on this basira. Wa subhanallahi wa ma'ana min al-mushrikeen. And Nabiya Kareem is also stating that Allah ta'ala is pure beyond any and every concept of flaw and imperfection. And I, Nabiya Kareem can never ever be amongst those people who is crying any type of partner to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa ma'arsalna min kamlaka illa lijadun nuhiya ilayhim min ahdil qura. That all the Anbiya, all the messengers and prophets of the same that we sent before you were men from different cities to whom we Allah had sent them revelation. But had these not people, these Mushrikeen in Makkah, they traveled in the lands and earth and seen what was the destiny, the outcome, what befell those communities that passed before them. And indeed, the abode of the Akhirah, the everlasting hereafter, is better for those who have taqwa. When will they have sense? When will they understand? Until that time came when the Anbiya, they became weary, they became despondent. And they thought that they may have erred in their understanding. And Allah says, no, that our special help came down to all those Anbiya. And we saved and assisted and rescued whomsoever we will. And our punishment can never ever be averted from the community of Mujrimun, those who are denying and disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Indeed, in narratives of all the prophets and messengers, and certainly here in Asim al-Qasas, in the most noble and beautiful narrative of the story of Sayyidina Yusuf salam, there is Ibra, there is some lesson, some warning, something to heed for who the Ulul al-Bab, for the people of Lub, which means they don't try to understand things with their buckle, they try to understand things with their lobe, with the kernel of understanding that lies in their kalb, that lies in their spiritual heart. مَا كَانَ حَدِيثًا that this Qur'an is not something that has been invented or fabricated, but rather it has come as a tasdeeq, as a confirmation, verification, follow-up to reinforce all of the sacred scriptures of revelation that came before. And it has in it tafsila a detailed explanation of everything. and a hidayah, and a guidance, وَرَحْمَةً and a mercy for who they call me yu'minun, for those who will approach this Qur'an with the believing heart. May Allah subhanahu wa may Allah accept our sitting here today. May He make us from the Siddiqeen and Salaheen. May He put the Lord of Surah Yusuf in our heart, the Lord of entire Qur'an in our heart. May He open our hearts and soften our hearts to the feelings of Qur'an. May He protect us from every haya, from every unlawful infatuation, from every unlawful attraction, from every awareness or consciousness of their mahram. May he grant all the men the haya of Sayyidina Salaam, the women the haya of Sayyidina Maryam and may he make us have the taqwa and sabr jameel of Sayyidina Yaqub the taqwa of Sayyidina Yusuf the tawakkul of Sayyidina Yaqub and may he make us change our lives according to all the teachings of Quran. Wa akhirul da'wana and alhamdulillahi
وتوب علينا انك انت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على حبيبه سيدنا محمد وعلى 